Hello! Welcome to the Impersonal Opinion Podcast, the podcast where we don't take our opinions personally. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about politics with Trump and the election system and what's wrong with it and voting and all of that interesting stuff. We also have a, we have a new guest with us named Poffo, I believe he said that is. And we have Logan Meyer, who has joined us on a previous podcast, I believe, of the Free Will Science Religion podcast. But today, since we're talking politics, it's just our impersonal opinions, whatever we have to say about it. So who would like to start? Yeah, like, I mean, uh, I, uh, I have uh, very strong feelings when it comes to, uh, you know, our, our government right now and the whole political system. I just I don't I don't support um, either party. Um, I don't vote. Um, like intentionally, uh, I try to avoid politics because um, I, I just feel like it's a distraction. It's a complete waste of energy and, and time. Um, I, I don't, I don't believe in the system. I, you know, I, I have. Uh, I, I, I really support like uh, the Venus Project, the Zeitgeist Movement. You know, like like this idea of um, of restructuring our system, <laughs> um, getting rid of the monetary system, and then this whole uh, facade of like the you know the two party system. I mean. I, I feel like, you know, Trump is just an idiot and like he's so just he, there basically to get yeah. people to, to basically get people to vote for Hillary because he's she's like the lesser of two evils. That I don't think he was ever meant to win. Um, just like Bernie, I supported everything that Bernie was about, but he was never meant to win. I feel like that was just kind of a litmus test to see, you know, where our, our culture was at and how far along, how, how much we've actually advanced in, in our consciousness. And so it's always going to come down to like, you know, people that we don't actually elect, I think they just buy their way in and the whole system's corrupt. So I'm pretty, pretty nihilistic when it comes to politics. Okay, let me start with this immigration thing where he says he's going to bomb um, ISIS and his family. Yeah, he's going he's to bomb it. Uh, are you you say he's going to bomb ISIS I know, family? No, I'm going to ask you something. You want to yeah. censor me? You may have to censor me on this. Just give you a fair warning. No, 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 no. We're not about censorship. Go on. Go. Okay, how he says he's gonna bomb the shit out of them. He would bomb the shit out of them. You mean he their families? Uh, yes. In an act of revenge. I mean, it's, it's not like that's what I'm it's, saying. It's, it's yeah, not like they, there's a location. There's a physical location for this this terrorist extremist group. They don't have a you know specific locale to bomb. I mean, that's just mm -hmm. appealing to basically you know your right wing conservative. Uh, Texas. He's just, you know, he, you know, conservative Christians and people who just think in those simplistic terms. I mean, it's, it's like Team America, you know, like we're watching Team America, you know, America, fuck yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. like he, he's like a, he's a, he's a caricature. He's a cartoon. He's just like a, uh, he is the culmination of, of all the collective, um, ambition, you know, egocentric, um, self-centered, um, self-righteous, uh, you know, like conservative right-wing, um, ignorance that exists. And so he just completely caters to that. I've actually, this is a strange thing. I have never seen, I have never seen a presidential campaign and, and, you know, these, these rallies where there was so much violence and, um, you know, like literal fist fights and people getting hauled off and, you know, to the ambulance and, and like, it's it's insane, man. Like this this is civilized America. It's like he's bringing out like the worst in people, basically. 
You there? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. It's just, um, it's a joke. Sorry. Yeah, it's like Jack Fresco said in the Venus Project. Um, uh, to um, solve the world's problems, you have to use education and sociology, not violence. Yeah. All right, guys, let, yeah. me, let me ask a question. Um, we all agree that the system is hugely corrupt. Okay, both parties, whatever. Uh, what's the answer? Well, Jamie, I mean, I, I, education. Yeah. Education. Big thing. I, I think, I think yeah. the answer is, yeah, raising awareness, first of all, that... Um, that they're lying to you, that everything that you see in the media is, is, is all spin, that you're not going to find anything truthful, that nothing that comes out of a politician's mouth is ever going to be truthful because they're, you know, they're all working for the same people. The people who are controlling, you know, running the government, we'll never see. I mean, they're, 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 there's always going to be an element that's behind the scenes actually calling the shots. And everything about uh, politics is, is just to cater to and basically, um, keep people uh, complacent and think that they have, it's just like the matrix, you know, thinking that you have the illusion of, of control, the illusion of choice. That's, that's literally all it is. I can't believe that people still believe, you know, what they see in the media. It's a fiasco. It's insane. I can't stand Hillary. I can't stand Trump. I, I, I don't, I don't support any of them. I don't, I don't support it at all. I mean, uh, you have the, the Venus project uh, logo here. Um, what's your name with the, with the uh, icon? Yeah, like I mean, obviously you, you're familiar with um, you know TZM and, and Venus Project and stuff, and it, we should not be supporting this government at all. I don't believe we should support military. I don't believe we should support the government. Um, all that's doing is perpetuating this cycle of uh, of abuse and oppression that goes on, and and this facade of uh, that everything's okay, and it's absolutely not. Well, I'm, let I'm, me all ask for, you, I'm all for restructuring it, just starting over. Yeah, so yeah well, let me ask you something. If, yeah. if, if, if there wasn't money in politics, because right now, you know, both parties, you know, rely on billionaires and, and major corporations, you know, rich people Trump, for the contributions, you know, if there wasn't money in politics, do you think our government would still be corrupt? Okay, I mean, corru corruption, I'm not sure who you're asking, so, I mean. Well, and the whole group, whoever, whoever. I don't, okay. think, I don't think it would be nearly as corrupt if money was not in politics. But this, the, is, the, this is what we yeah. got. Corruption, I mean, human corruption is is always going to be there to a certain extent because it comes, you know, it comes from selfishness. It comes from the reptile brain. I mean, that there's always going to be corruption, but this system um, completely monopolizes, you know, and and fuels everything that's that's wrong with humanity. What's the, our primitive nature, you know, is is based on. Uh, survival and competition and, you know, um, fighting for resources and stuff. And so everything about uh, the way things are set up with the monetary system that, you know, there's no incentive to be ethical when you have a monetary system. The incentive is to make money to survive. And as long as people are pressured into, you know, the type of structure where they have to just do whatever they have to do to survive, then you're not, you're not going to get the most efficient products. You're not going to get, um, you know, honest politicians, none of that. So I, I, I appreciate and absolutely agree with the great experiment and the idea of, um, you know, a, a constitutional republic, or, you know, whatever you want to call a government now. It's, it's not what it started, started out as. Go ahead. What? And a resource-based economy where we have like a moneyless system and 
what we get is based on what actually exists and the abundance of it. Right, right. Access to the access to mm-hmm. the resources. It's not about paying a middleman, you know, having to work and slave doing a job that you hate, wasting your life to just for a medium to use to buy what already exists and what should be free to everyone. I mean, you could have fruit trees lined up and down the street and feed homeless people. And but there, there's so many. I mean, there's cures for cancer. There's there's so much. It just makes no sense. I mean, it's but it's it has to do with laziness. It has to do with you know, living up to other people because people don't want to grow their own food. They don't have the, the skills to, you know, to, to be sustainable. So they leave it up to others, utility companies and governments to, you know, for the convenience of it. So that that's part of it too. Is we have to become much more self-reliant. Yeah. Yeah. But if you have automation, then some things can be uh, done by robots. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and what I have to say Absolutely. about that is part of the problem we have in our system is that you have to be rich in the in this in this world. You have to be rich and you have to own land to even have a garden, let alone a farm to grow food. Which is a real problem I face because I can tell you guys that's one of my dreams was to get rich enough to buy a, an acre or two of land and grow enough food and vegetables to at least feed myself and maybe some other people. And but yeah, here's in the Venus Project it's, it's insane, side. though. It's it's so insane that, that we have to you have to go from your ass to your elbow to to get to have access to what to what nature already provides. Every there's no other species on this planet that has to pay to to eat. I mean, we work. And it's it's different to work for something. You know, to to um to put in effort. We we all have to work and we all have to exert the effort. But that's not the same as having to do a, a meaningless. You know, to become a clog in the wheel to a, a greater system that you don't even approve of or agree with, it just makes no sense. It's insanity. Exactly. I mean, I'm a, I'm yeah. a, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say I'm, I'm involved you know, with the Zeitgeist movement here. Um, I'm friends with Brandon who's the LA chapter leader and um, it's, it's really difficult. Um, people are just – there's not that like awareness and because their they're, they're luxuries are provided for because they already – they have their basic necessities met. And then they're constantly distracted with technology and with entertainment and sports and all these different things. No one's no one's rethinking the the system itself, you know. And then you have war on drugs and you have war on poverty and war on everything instead of rec- recognizing yeah. what's creating it. It's it's scarcity. It's the idea of scarcity and creates this huge disparity between the rich and the poor. And that's that's intentional. It's all intentional. There's never there's never gonna be, you know, equality and. Uh, across the board yeah, because the capitalism there, yeah. nope, it isn't. Right, right. Capitalism people is, tell, is the people enemy. People look at, at me point. sideways every time I preach them this, but you know, uh, a capitalistic society will never be uh, a moral society, and it, it I guess, it's yeah. it's predicated on on all the wrong things. It worked back. That's in why the, I'm a socialist. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah it worked back in the project, um, poverty will be a thing of the past, right? Because um, people will be fed, people will be housed, and like I said, everything will be based on what exists, the abundance of it. I mean, you, you'll get your give, stuff. Give, give people what they just meet their, their basic needs, and it will free people up to use their creativity to, to become more, um, to, to be inspired, to, to focus on poetry and philosophy and the things that actually advance our culture, art and, and creativity, and, and all these things instead of just being a robot and a slave to the system and and there's it's so it's so easy like you said automate everything actually relocate people to to yeah, um, habitats anyway 
habitats that that are more conducive to support life. Why do why do millions of people live in desert areas that are that are so um, you know difficult to support life, even for animals and stuff like that? It's not that the earth is overpopulated; it's that people are condensed and packed and crammed into all these cities, these these structures that we've created. Like you know, there's just so much we can do, but we don't have a, a global system that's focused on on the the ideals, the higher human ideals of of ethics and altruism, and you know, we have systems that can be used for good or for evil, but we don't have, you know, a, a global sort of, it, it shouldn't, it's not a government, but it, it should be a kind of global, uh, mentality. I would call it biocentrism, you know, a biocentric <laughs> attitude, biocentric attitude says that life comes first light. It's life centered. Life is the most important thing, not egocentric, um, not anthropocentric, mm. but biocentric because that's the, that's the commonality. That's the tie that binds us all is our biology. So, it's just all backwards. I mean, uh, it just needs to be, you know, we're, we're, we're moving yeah. forward. We're making progress, you know, and like I said, uh, but not you know, fast our, enough, but some, some might, so not, not anymore. Yeah. Because we need, the, uh, money the resources. Society. we don't need, Go ahead. we don't need monetary system to run a society. Some people are just too accustomed to, you know, this, um, economy that we're using, uh, you know, free market. Everybody's, everybody's accustomed to it. Yeah. Everybody, and everybody thinks they're just, they've just, bought into the lies that that this the competition is good how is competition ever a good thing i mean um the the natural world already operates you know based on on competition and, and survival and everything is um it's very very difficult everything is uh kill or be killed and and it's all about getting your next meal all about reproducing you know passing on you know the the, the positive beneficial traits to the next generation so we as human beings, we should not make the, the naturalistic fallacy and go backwards and say, yeah, let's go back to competition. We need to think about cooperation and, yep. and actually how many species in the animal kingdom actually work together. There's so many that uh, exhibit altruism and stuff like that. Um, but but uh, we're, we're, we're above work. that. We're yeah. beyond that. Go ahead. Sorry. Ants work together. Yeah. Maybe. Absolutely. Lions, wolves. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, well, they, they, I mean, what you, what you see is, is the competitive, you know, they're fighting for resources. They're fighting for mating rights. Um, they, uh, they have that primitive behavior, but if you take animals out of that environment, I was just talking about this yesterday. I actually talk about this all the time. You know, you see it all the time on YouTube videos. You can raise, uh, you know, vicious wild animals together and from when they're, when they're small babies and they get along and they perfectly, when they're not fighting for resources, when they don't have to compete and their and their meet, their needs are met. Exactly what Zeitgeist Movement, the Venus Project, wants to do. Once their needs are met, they become more compassionate, more altruistic, they more cooperative. They 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 love and accept each other because there's no need to kill. There's no need to hunt and, and yeah, survive. Yeah, like cats and dogs with each other. Yeah, yeah zoos, dogs like, especially. Yeah, if you look at zoos, uh, zoos, you know that the um, cats are they being fed and all that. They're not as vicious. They're not as predatory as you know. You have to go to Africa and see a lion there. The instincts are still there, but but oh, still these there. are all I things that can be. Yeah, yeah. Look at dogs. We've taken the wolf and oh, taken yeah. a wolf and made it into a chihuahua. You know, you have a pomeranian. Well, that was once a wolf. You know, that that's selective breeding, selective uh, evolution. evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can be absolutely. Done. I, mean, I don't know if I'm talking about making, moralizing the animal kingdom, but I'm I'm talking about. Uh, like, like Richard Dawkins talks about. Richard Dawkins talks about. Um, you know, the real 
intelligent design is how we intel- intelligently design our culture. Our society should be intelligently designed, and it's not. Yeah, it's I agree. Yeah, the case you mentioned there about animals, when they are no longer having to compete because they're with a family who feeds them, they don't need to compete for resources. What you have is they're a case of nurture over nature where they no longer are in that natural method of having to compete for resources, having to kill or be killed. And so if it works with those other animals, we know that theoretically if we could build such a system for humans as well, they would quit fighting. They'd have nothing to fight for. It's like I was saying to my friend um, a while back, um, I was saying to him that lions are raised as pets by some people, but some people own big cats as pets, right? They've been raising them since they were cubs and whatnot. And the reason why they don't attack their um, their owners is because they're not in a they're not in an environment where they need to kill um, things, are they? Because they're getting fed, they're getting looked after, like they're getting cared for. And so there's no reason for the lion or tiger to attack. Yeah, the primitive, yeah, the primitive instinct. I absolutely have a, a literal example of this. I mean, I don't know if you heard in the background. I have a cat that's meowing. Um, a few weeks back, he got out. He got outside and. Uh, he was originally feral. He lived most of his life, you know, outdoors and we adopted him and, and it's taken a long time to get him to, you know, become domesticated and calm yeah. and relaxing where he's the most loving cat. You know, we're, you know, he's so, he's so, um, affectionate. Well, he gets, he gets out and I can't even go near him when he's outside. He runs away from me. I, I tried to grab him, pick him up. He scratched the hell out of my arm. I got like scars now. And he went right back into feral mode. He went right back to this primitive survival mode. And I had to eventually buy a humane trap and caught him underneath the underneath the house. I had to set a trap for him. And uh, and then and then maybe about you know a few days later, he's like exhausted. He, he goes right back to normal. And now he's like snuggling with me. And so it's really a, about environment. It's all about what is yeah, necessary. I got a story if, about if that you, also. Yeah, I mean nature and nurture still applies to animals, doesn't it? I mean they yeah. they're, they're predatory because right. they were conditioned yeah. to be that way. Because I was walking down the street one day, walked down the street, I seen this squirrel run past. All I heard was squeak, um, rustling and squealing. Then I looked around the corner, this cat had the squirrel in his mouth. And yeah. it looked at me and it started running around the corner. Yeah, they, they ran do around it. The corner. Yeah, because they're looking like this is a, um, that, that look like, you know, like, you like you're trying to take its food. Yeah. Sure, sure. You know, dogs will, will growl. Even the most, you know, uh, docile domesticated animals with good demeanor. You reach down when he's chewing on a bone or something, he's likely to growl and maybe snap at you. So, so yeah, so we're talking about instinct, yeah. but it's it's not – we are not um, – maybe you guys have heard of like epigenetics and stuff. You know, We're not beholden to our um, our primitive survival, kill or be killed, you know, survival of the fittest instincts. Like everything can adapt and change and become more evolved, more civilized, you know, based on our environment, based on, you know um, – it, it, what what's going on around us, like the way we interact with, you know, with other organisms and stuff. So the whole point is we human beings could be so much further along in our evolution right now if, if our societal structure was different. Like yep. we, we would be we would be like Star Trek uh, level, you know, with like the Federation where there's no more religion. You know, everybody is educated, like there's no money, there's no money. You know, but, but you've got these few people in power, you know, who want to keep their power. Who, who are living in living in uh, dark ages, basically, and keeping us all? Look at a huge problem coming our way, humanity way. Yeah, but we don't realize you don't need the monetary system for entertainment or poetry or you know 
philosophy or whatever. You can have no, and the, and the, the things that people do. I mean, you know, so of course, of course, it becomes an incentive. You know, um, what is it? Uh, necessity is the, the mother of invention. Of course, people when they're under pressure and they and there's a need for it, they can create. But imagine what people could create. Imagine. You know uh, the the uh, the expansion of, of knowledge and creativity and, and uh, innovation that that we would see if we didn't have all these pressures, if we didn't have all this this, this these bills and this idea. I and mean, every single problem can, can be traced back. Well, let me put it this way: um, if you put me in charge, if if I was like the ruler of the earth and I had the power, if I literally had the power to do this, okay, there would be three things that I would do. Okay, I would get rid of money. I would get rid of religion and I would sterilize people at least for 10 years so that it would stop stop breeding, stop reproducing, stop overpopulating in these these small uninhabitable zones, you know, yeah, just just get our shit together. Get our shit together for, for a while and then start up again and then have some really strict screening processes with who can have children, who can't because you got yeah. you know, just people just you know, reproducing and procreating and it, it, and then the children end up being neglected and abused, and it goes on and on and on. But those three problems, yeah. I, I guarantee you, that, that would change the entire face of, 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 of the world if you got rid of money, got rid of religion, and then stopped people from breeding just for a little while. Man, yeah. I so agree with all that. You ever heard that story? Ever heard that that? story? Sorry. You ever heard that yeah. story where that woman had 15 kids? Possibly on 16 or 17. Old Mother now. Hubbard, the shoe. I don't know. Oh, and, 19, uh, and, 19 and counting. Yeah. yeah, she had. She literally, last time we had this story, she literally had 15 kids. She was up here talking about somebody's got to pay for all these kids. I'm like. Oh, they use it. Yeah, yeah. Those huh? welfare moms. Welfare moms use it. Oh, what? They'll, they'll keep having yeah. kids. Just to say, <laughs> I lived in. I lived in. Um, I lived in, uh, you know, near uh, Pittsburgh in um, south uh, southwest Pennsylvania, and everybody yeah, in my I'm building, it was a building. Section Eight housing, and these 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 mothers, they they live for free and they just use their kids, you know, as a way to basically mooch off the government, you know, and it, and yeah, it becomes easy right. and it becomes hard to break out of that because well, this brings up a good point actually because you know a lot of um. A lot of um, opponents of the the Venus Project and Zeitgeist movement will say, um, "Give everybody what they need, and they're going to become lazy, or they're just going to take advantage of it, or you know, you're going to see the worst in people. You got to, you, you know, you have to have something to work for. You can't just provide people their basic necessities because they'll they'll just uh, they'll take advantage of it. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, my, personally, I believe we can go. We'll, we have the capacity to." To be sinners yeah. or saints, you know what I'm saying? I so we can go either way. But collectively, I believe at this stage, I think it would absolutely be the best, the most beneficial thing. But you know, I've heard people um, criticize it and, and say the opposite. What do you guys think? Well, what I think is some people um, they have like um, how can I put this? There's some people who like challenges. They they want to better sure. themselves regardless of what economic system we have in place, because some people have very good skills and they want to put them to the test. You know, they don't, right. Some people just don't like sitting around. I mean, Albert Einstein, when he was alive, he enjoyed um, com make, coming up with theories, didn't he? He enjoyed you know, his uh, proving science, you know? Yeah, the, the, the people have the natural competitive tendency. They want to play sports and they're, they, they like pushing themselves. 
Exactly. But I mean, think about it. When you when you do a cross section of of what's going on, on on this planet and in the West, you know, I mean, like it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like I, I feel like it's you know it's it's the opposite that that the most beneficial thing we can do is actually provide the re, you know provide access to the resources, automate everything, Agreed. and design a completely new system that's based on ethics and morality. We've never had a culture. And I'm not talking about theocracy, but I'm talking about a culture that is based on the highest good, the highest common, you know, like the health practitioners and stuff. They, they take like this oath. I mean, they don't follow it, but um, there's this idea of, uh, you know, of, of sort of egalitarian, you know, um, trying to, um, you know, put, push and, and evolve the human species um, to, to, the, to live up to our fullest potential. And we've never had a, a, a social structure that's that's just based on that. That's just based on ethics. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think I don't even know if it could have been possible until now. But because everything can be automated, because of the technology, because of the access of information, the advent of the internet, all these different things, we can we can make progress now that we've never been able to really make before. Where yeah. it can be a, a global community, it can be a global system where it doesn't matter what language you are, all the language barriers, all the culture. And, and the things that divide us can be can be you know distilled and, and just um, overlooked you know based on our biology that we all need food we all need air we all need to drink you know clean water we need shelter we need clothes and we need companionship we need other other people that's it those are the basic necessities so we if we all if we all have those things in common and actually we have that in common with the whole animal kingdom you know. Um, then that's that's our common ground. That's what needs to be focused on because yeah. we've gone so far into the sort of pseudo intellectual abstract whatever it is. I mean, you can take a shit on a piece of cardboard and then people want to pay a thousand dollars and call it art. You know, like that's the <laughs> level of abstraction. It doesn't make any sense, man. Like, and, and, there's... <laughs> and I live in Hollywood. So this, this goes on, man. I live in Hollywood. You, you know, what I'm talking about the foo foo. You know, um, the yuppies in there, and they'll stare at these these paintings that have like a red dot, and then the rest is like a big white canvas, and that has some kind of significance. <laughs> I'm saying, like, <laughs> I'm gonna visit LA one day. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say it's it's abstract, too far into abstraction. You know, the human race has gone too far, and we've gotten away from from what really matters is our, uh, you know, our humanity, our biology. You know, the, the what what matters in life is, is some the people. There's a stratification where certain people. I have gigantic, you know, billionaire houses and, and, and then other people are living in cardboard boxes and it's complete disparity. And that, that all needs to go, man. That just makes no sense. It's, how, about this for, how about this for restructuring? Um, back yeah. in 73, the country of Bhutan decided that instead of measuring the success of their country, like most other countries do, based on gross domestic product you know, the amount of product, goods, and services a country produces each year, they would measure their success on what they defined as gross domestic happiness, how happy the people were. How does that like sound that. as a measure of success of a country? Absolutely. Uh, why, why are we, why is everyone on antidepressants? Why is everyone here stressed out? Every, every person I know in the last like five, 10 years has suffered from major anxiety or, or depression or has some kind of substance abuse problem. I mean, there's, 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 it's dysfunctional. There's an imbalance here where our yeah. priorities are completely out of whack. I, I guess the point I was trying to get to before was that 
we've gone we've gone too far in the wrong directions. We we show you can see our potential, but at the same time, it's not it's not been a holistic growth. Like I don't believe that the human species is evolving in a um, in a balanced way. It's, we're not evolving in a balanced way. We're we're evolving kind of sporadically. You'll have geniuses and prodigies. I actually yeah. think we're heading to a dystopia, actually. One of the reasons why I want the Venus Project to happen is because it will reduce crime um, sharply. I mean, if you provide people with the necessities of life and take money out of the equation, then sure. where's the incentive to steal? Oh, you know? No need. No every. Yeah. Like I, I said this, every single problem that you can think of, I don't say this lightly. I mean, I've literally thought about this for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Every problem that you can think of in the world today can be traced back to those three things, to the, you know, over over overpopulation, um, you know, families that are hey, that are, like that are multiplying, families that are multiplying uh, exponentially without without the resources to provide, without the intelligence, without the mental and emotional stability to make them good parents in the first place, um, and and everything else goes back to to money and religion. Every single you know freaking problem goes back to people's and when i say religion i mean it in a general sense the ideologies the belief systems the philosophies that people like um, free will belief hold you know oh my What's gosh <laughs> free will belief is basically a religion in itself isn't it hey i wanted to ask you guys something because um see i don't have a problem with that at all to me that's almost a, mo a moot point that um I'm a, I'm a pantheist so i uh you know spinoza didn't believe in free will either I, I believe I'll, – I'll tell you my little bit right now and then you guys can tell me you know, from your perspective. Um, like uh, – Actually, I don't believe... wait a minute, guys. Um, Chandler, oh, sure. how, how long have we gone on this podcast? Yeah, I'm not sure, um, but – Oh, it's about 25 minutes probably. Because right, if you guys want, how about, how about if we end this podcast and then devote the, the next one to like free will, pantheism and just – Sure, uh, sure. Excellent. Well, I thought I was I was actually thinking it was all one thing, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Separate. I mean, we could do we it all about, as we one thing. We talked enough shit about Trump, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we. Yeah. yeah, we could do it all as one big episode, or we could just. Uh, yeah, or we could just do a, a new one of free will, science, or religion, and talk about like the how the pantheism and the and no free will relate. Yeah, I'm glad sure. Popper um, mentioned the Venus Project and all that stuff because it sounds like a good idea. With automation, that means not as many people will have to work, right, Popper? Uh, absolutely. We will all be yeah. working but will not be working for the middleman. We won't be working uh, in jobs that we hate. We'll actually be doing what we're good at. You ever watch Futurama? It's kind of messed up but they assign people you know, the jobs based on whatever their skills are. I mean, that's the way it would be, but not so much a mandatory thing. Literally, whatever you're good at, like, you know, for example, I write, I'm an, I'm an author, um, and I, I speak, and I'm also an artist. You know, there's a couple different options there. I could, different things I could do to contribute to society. You basically just do whatever you're good at, and you contribute, and then someone else does whatever they're good at, and they contribute, and they meet the needs that, you know, where you're lacking, and it's a, a system of checks and balances, and it's and you have equality, but what yeah. we have now it makes and they will be free of charge. That which means you go to university, study whatever you oh yeah sure, want to, and then become that, a that's would be brilliant. That that's that's one of the huge the biggest burdens. I think I I have like a fourteen thousand dollar loan I have to pay back. Um, oh man, Sam man, and I, I that's why I didn't do college. I just keep putting it. I just keep. I just keep deferring it, and deferring it. You know, and I'm just like <laughs> maybe we'll get to a cashless society and everything will be. By the time you know, but uh, like oh, no, yeah, you're gonna have a... to pay it back. Trust me, I know <laughs> from experience, they're gonna make you pay that shit. 
I, I did. One I paid back my first loan. Of my first, yeah, time, man, first hey, time I went to college, I had to pay that back. Pay it. One day you wake up, you get a tax return, a nice one. You're about to get a card all this. Then get a letter yeah. saying, hmm, you owe us this money. We have to take your entire check. He reminds me of uh, it reminds me of uh, Al Roker on a uh, on Family Guy. <laughs> now to you. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, man, like they'll come after you. The IRS, it's it's ridiculous. The fear tactics they use. Oh yeah, and that, that, you know, like sometimes when you get credit card um thing, it, it lasts for like seven years. Oh no, this don't this starts to go away. Yeah, I hope I hope that we go to a moneyless system within our lifetime because that'll be great and not having to worry about bills not having to worry about debt uh not yeah worry- yeah i mean they're, they're, yeah. They're, it's it's happening but it's it's happening in different ways I and mean, you have the rfid chips you have the bitcoin you've got like d- different systems and people are doing it. and there's there's people who've completely resisted this they haven't paid taxes in like 15 years they um you know that the federal income tax is completely illegal and it was it was never really officially Signed into law, like we don't, we don't, we're not legally required to pay that tax, but they will literally come for you, you know, if you don't, uh, if you don't do your taxes right, and and that that's it's all, uh, I don't know, man, it's it's oppression to me, it's all oppression. And, um, oh yeah, I to, so know what you mean. Yeah, there's more of us than there are of them, so that's the idea: is education, you know, awareness, um, raising the consciousness to get everybody on board, so we we recognize like this. This idea of maritime law, and you know that we're not really the the, the person, you know, our, with our name in all capitals. We lose all our rights and privileges as uh, as as a sentient human being, and and become uh, slaves to this to the system, to the government. Um, you know, the police brutality. Don't even get me started on that, man. Like just how, how yeah. ill ill trained cops are, and and everything that goes yeah. on, how they escalate situations. You guys know. But anyway, uh, w- what do you want to do? Uh, I haven't had any problems here in Philly. What the, monetary, what the monetary system pushes is the slave labor that corporations do in foreign, foreign countries. I mean, have you yeah. seen sweatshops and factories in Asia? Right, right. right. And uh, and then you know it's it's all about you know uh, loaning loaning money so that you can basically control other uh, other countries, other nations. Like we, we give them we give them certain technologies, we give them certain resources, and then they're, we got them in our pocket, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking us, you know, but I'm not a part of it. I'm not, I'm talking about the, our, our government, our corrupt government, you know? Yeah. And there's a huge difference between what the citizens actually want and what the government does. And like, Jamie and I have talked about this by the people for the people. It's, it's, it's for the few, it's for the the elites. It's absolutely not by the people. I got I got one other thing to say though I I you know I, I'm hopeful about humanity and and the evolution of our species I believe in the potential of human beings but I am very cynical and pessimistic about society I as don't a know. whole like society in general seen, I'm kind of losing hope I what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say is that I have seen so much ignorance and so much violence and so much stupidity. And and racism and bigotry and prejudice and just just everything just dogmatic, uh, uh, you know, indoctrinated, uh, you know, religious fundamentalists and and what I'm trying to say is um, I think I am a bit of a of an aristocrat and in the sense that I I don't think that we're all created equal. No, we all have the potential to 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 do and be extraordinary, you know, do extraordinary things. But I believe that people in societies right now. Like a person with 
advanced communication skills and whatever should not be working flipping burgers, you know. And a person who <laughs> only has only has certain certain skill set and is is not that educated should not be put in positions of authority. And obviously, everybody knows this. Obviously, I mean, I'm just brave enough to just say it. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, um, like, like we need to, you know, we we need to let people do what they're good at, you know, and not stifle other people that that could be making, you know, creating inventions and, and doing things. And all of that gets stifled and 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 um and suppressed. have produce abundance you know, things so people don't get jealous of each other. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's there's that yeah and uh, and and uh, efficiency like uh, you know the waste and the and the overproduction of all this crap that that has to be uh, you know the Westerners Americans are obsessed with individuality and everything being you know. Um, designer and, and everything and expressing themselves but it actually it makes no sense it's not it's not even logical it's not rational um you know to have so many different versions of one product oh it's gonna yeah end up break, breaking down so that someone else can have a job to fix it build build shit so that it lasts so that it's like the, the highest quality and then we can move forward and make progress but that's that's not what the system is designed for it's designed to keep to keep people working to keep you people and obsolescence yeah 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 Oh, yeah. I, I so agree. Because, see, here's the deal. And, like, um, earlier, Poffo mentioned, like, the three things about, like, people who are breeding nonstop, and then there's, like, religion, and then there's money, and that, those were, like, the three things he wanted to get rid of if he was, like, king of the world. And that, that, that was, you know, that was funny, but true. I, I get that. I, I see how those are like the Every most problem. Every problem can be traced back to those things. To those. Well, see, let me let me try. Let me clarify this for a second. Um, it's it's not that breeding or, uh, yeah, actually it is. But I'm saying it's not the, the the act of procreation that that's evil. It's that ignorant, uneducated people who don't have the resources to to maintain, and 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 you know sustain families. Are, are having children. That's the problem. So it's not the act of procreation. It's the act of procreation in this uneducated, unenlightened society. That's that's the point. When it comes to money and religion, absolutely, they need to be done away with. And I could talk about those, you know, forever. Um, oh, yeah. Every single problem can be traced back to that. And, well, and every, every single uh, atrocity committed throughout history can be traced back to that, to, to, the, to, to the wealth and, and greed. And it, and it, you know the monetary system just uh it just perpetuates that everything is predicated on that man. well yeah th those three things though i want to say they're a triangle because they are so interlocked and so connected those three things because here's the deal you 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 guys already know that organized religion the established religions the churches the mosques the synagogues institutionalized and these, religion yeah right? institutionalized religion that is completely driven by money it's about it's about making people believe the things that make them give money to that church, make them keep coming back so that they can keep being indoctrinated with what that church wants them to believe so they can keep getting their money. Like money and religion are so tight you can't break them apart or religion dies instantly. Like religion I want to wanna... with each other. Yeah. yeah. I uh I want to say I want to say the actual pastors and priests and uh, you know, deacons and elders and whatever, or, or organizers of individual churches. I don't believe that they are in it. I, I mean, they're they're obviously there's corrupt corruption and bad apples and televangelists and people ripping people off and manipulating people. But I'm saying the majority actually believe in this mythology. I'll just call it mythology. That's what it is. So 
they believe in it. And what they're doing is providing a community. They're providing comfort and hope and inspiration. And, and the, what churches represent is actually what we should have, but minus all the, all the bullshit. Take out all the mythology and all the stories and the myths and legends and all the anachronistic uh, morality that's you know from archaic Bronze Age uh, holy books. Take all that out and actually have communities, actually have – you know, places where people can go, where they can fellowship, actually, you know, with common ideals that, um, you know, provide support and encouragement through different phases in life. That's very important. That's necessary. It's just, it's, they're, they're built on, on mythologies that don't exist. And what, what they're breeding is delusion. They're breeding delusional, uh, people who end up becoming like essentially, uh, robots and slaves to whatever that ideology is. And and it just keeps you know reproducing and reproducing like a virus. I mean, you say faith is a virus. Yeah, um, but I, but they don't. I, I'm saying the people involved themselves, though they make money from it, I believe that they're doing it because they actually believe in heaven and hell and angels and demons and all these different things, and they they feel that they're doing a service. <laughs> you see, what I'm trying to say they feel like yeah. they're doing a service yeah. for helping people because that's their mission on earth. I'm a, I'm an ex evangelical Christian, and I I thought it was my mission to literally convert everyone and and preach the gospel and fulfill, you know, the Jesus's last request to go into all the nations. And I, I was doing it not for any other reason, except that I believed it. And it was exactly what I thought was going to happen when you die. And, and they give you, you know, the answers to the unanswerable questions. That's what religion does. And so it's very deceptive because we're all asking those existential questions. And in my, in my worldview, philosophy and um, and poetry and art and inspiration. The and, and the biggest thing is nature and uh, learning everything that we can from the natural world. This is where we find those answers. Not 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 a uh, you know not a medium. Not not a pope or a pastor or a priest or a guru or, or whatever. I, I believe we can we have it all around us. You know access to this wisdom and we should draw from the best sources. But that's what religion does. It gets a, it takes a monopoly on it and it, it controls it and says you know. We have all the answers. Come to us, and we. And also, if you don't, you're going to burn in hell forever. You know, this is the in group; they're the out group. So it it, it really is is very deeply. Uh, uh, there's a lot of psychological elements there. Oh yeah, um, and, and and I totally yeah. understand what you were saying that these pastors and priests and whatever, like they don't actually intentionally like that. That like they do they do believe this stuff. Most of them, I think. I agree yeah. with you there. They they don't realize how it's really all connected with like the mythology and the money are so connected when really like like you said there are some things that religion provides that can be good a, a community and stuff like that but it can be done without the bullshit like you said it's sort of like Absolutely. how like there's an added ingredient to a loaf of bread that you don't want like no i don't want high fructose corn syrup in the bread i don't want dairy or eggs in my sure, bread sure. And it's like it's there's the icing this, on the cake yeah it's the but it, we we know it we know it as uh, preservatives and and artificial ingredients, but to them it's it's what makes it so sweet. I gotta I gotta tell you this. This is very important. This is what religions do. They tap into these archetypes, these uh, very very deep, like um, um, sort of a lot of symbolism and and these deep questions of of where we came from, why are we here, where are we going, what happens after we die, what, why is there evil in the world, you know, like, what's, what's the, what, what are our, our origins, um, like, it, it's, it's, who are we as humans, so they're answering these, these very important questions, and they're tapping into, uh, sort of 
you know, these, these, these mythical archetypes, which make it so powerful. It's the same reason people love Lord of the Rings or any kind of fiction, science, science fiction or fantasy, because you're, you literally have a good guy, a bad guy, you know, and you're, and you're, you're telling a story. So that's very important that like, and, and it, it makes it very appealing. And then there's the, the ritual aspect. Human humans do have a, a need for, um, a repetition for ritual, for, uh, observance, you know, to, to tap into something that's greater than themselves, you know, whether it's the past, your culture, your, your religious, the religious, uh, history or the religious mythology becomes, um, like hugely important and, and, uh, appealing because we all, we, we all need that. Like, I mean, not all of us, I'm speaking in general, but like we all, we love, uh, you know, stories and things that actually tell these, these sort of, uh, symbolic, you know, hero's journey. And that's, I mean, that's what the gospel is. It's the hero's journey. Um, so that's why it becomes uh, so – what's the word? Um, appealing and addictive I guess is because it's, t- it's very deceptive. It's tapping into what actually makes us human. You know? and, and, what, and so secularists and atheists and agnostics, would, they, would, they would find this in, um, you know, in art and poetry and philosophy and, and fiction and reading books and, and things like that or in their own life. You know, they become the hero of their own journey in their life. Um, what, what the religious do is they, they, uh, they feed off of that. And, and with the, sh- the sheep mentality, everyone buys into the same story to one story and then they apply it to their entire life. And so everything makes sense. You know, Oh, why did this happen? It's because the devil, uh, there's evil in the world. Oh, why is there evil? If there's a good God, Oh, because we have free will because we're <laughs> mankind chose to, chose oh, to man. through the knowledge of good and evil. So that's why it's this, it, it's uh, it's so deceptive. I mean, they've it, it's the biggest scam ever that that they 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 literally answer every question and no matter what you think about, everything can be attributed to the uh, so the char- the characters in this story, the forces and powers and the characters in this um, in this mythos. You know, like I'm a huge fan of Lovecraft, right? So like, imagine if I took the Cthulhu mythos seriously and I projected it onto my life. So now. Everything that happens, I mean, this is just an allegory, you know, an example. Everything that happens, I say it's because of Lulu. It's I say it's because of the old ones. It's the Shoggoths. It's this. This is happening because of this. This is really so. That's exactly what religion is. It's a mythos that then gets projected onto reality, and then and then it just gets confirmed. It gets reinforced because the mythos itself has all the elements. Uh, you know, of reality, it's just giving, it's just giving the answers to, to the origins of all those things and where they came from. So yeah, I could talk about this stuff forever. This is well, yeah, I can tell. And I agree with that. What you're saying is religion, it finds a, a, a part uh, about humans, a need that they have. And then it tries to answer their questions that we all ask deep questions sometimes. Then it provides a set of answers to those questions Unfortunately, the problem often is that by having those provided answers, first of all, most of them are not true. Second of all, um, it prevents people from finding the real reasons for why things happen, prevents them from doing philosophy and actually finding real answers. And that's why it's harmful, of course. That's one of the reasons it's harmful. It's, but, it's laziness. <laughs> it's like they, they make they make people it makes people lazy because it gives you all the answers. It's like a, like a movie instead of reading a book, you know, and you, you make the the greatest visual images in your mind in your own mind. You got the movie that just gives it all for you, and it's like oh, and it's really easy. I mean, like like video is is the probably the most influential form of uh, of communication, right? Of, of of transferring information is just seeing the pictures on a screen and and hearing the visuals. 
So people don't want to do the legwork or they don't have time because they're trapped in a system where they have to work nine to five and, and more to, uh, you know, so it, it's all, it's yeah. all interconnected. Yeah, and that's just it. What people need to realize is that to improve society, you need to um, agree with a scientific method. You have to, you know, follow the evidence. I, when it comes to sure. human behavior, I find myself agreeing with Jack Fresco. I mean, I think violence oftentimes comes from scarcity or fear of scarcity mm -hmm. or competition. Structural, structural violence, yeah. Yeah, competition, yeah. It's, uh, it's the structural violence based on the system that a person is... is is put into. I mean, it, you put you, you have an animal and, and it's abused and it's mistreated. And you put it in, in a corner and, you know, treat it a certain way. It's going to lash out. It's going to become more primitive. If you take that animal and you raise it in a nurturing, loving home and give it all all the support and validation and encouragement, then it, it ends up being this beautiful, friendly creature. So that's you know, it uh, it's the greater system. We have to really think holistically and stop thinking. So. Uh, yeah. Stop being so myopic in our in our visions, you know, in our in our in our outlook on, on life. So look look at the big picture. Look look think holistically about how everything is affecting everything else. See, I I think this way because I mean my pantheist philosophy, uh, one of the core tenets, the foundation is that everything is connected. Everything is interconnected, and this is what science and quantum physics tells us, and everything you know that we're all entangled. Um, so like. But people don't think that way. I mean, we have this this delusion or this uh, Einstein talked about it. You know that the um, the illusion of separation and distinction that that we're uh, we're all individuals and, and we are. Um, but at the same time, you know, we all have the same basic needs. You know, we're all everything's interdependent on everything else. So we just have to change the whole model and think much more holistically. When it, whether it's our health, whether it's government religion, um, anything. We have to think more holistically, more, more of a systems theory. You know, I'm a huge proponent of systems theory. Yeah, and what creationists and free will believers don't understand is that everything's shoved by something else, even human behavior. There's always a cause to, you know... Sure, sure. Oh, I, I never got to that. All I was going to say was um, I don't actually um, personally believe in free will because, okay, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. Like, we make choices. We all make choices. Everyone makes choices. That's not... That's not the issue. It's that there is no choice or decision that we can make that is not influenced by some external or internal, you know, force. Everything that we decide comes from a need, a desire. It comes from a pre-existing, um, you know, something that's that's pre-existent. We're not in a in a vacuum in a bubble just deciding things, but we are we are reacting to things. It's our um, you know, our internal um, drives, our internal needs that are that are that are prompting those decisions. Whether it's fear or hunger or, or happiness or, or whatever, we're pursuing things and we're doing things and we decide things and make decisions um, based on the interaction, you know, interaction with the world around us. So there's no choice or decision I can make that's not influenced by something, whether it's my brain, my mind, my body, or or something external outside of me. Um, so in that sense, um, it, it doesn't, you know, I, 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 it, I there is no like. What's, what's the word like isolated sense of free will you know because everything is is causational everything is cause and effect so whatever choice you make that's an effect based on uh, a prior um pre-existing cause yeah that's you a guys beautiful agree? you guys agree a, yeah that's a beautiful yeah, we're on explanation agreement. yeah i that's a really good way of putting it pafo because basically yeah um it's it's understanding that 
You know, like I, I get kind of tripped up on the word choice because the idea of a, of a choice is too closely related to the concept of free will that people still have, that they think that they chose something and they think it is them and not and not and that the whole rest of the universe is irrelevant and that their decisions aren't caused by anything right. else. Right. It's, it's solipsism. Solipsism. Yeah. Yeah. Complete solipsism is, uh, you know, you're isolated. You think the world revolves around you and there's nothing else but you and your perception of things. Well, yeah, um, basically solipsism and free will belief and narcissism and selfishness, basically they're all related. They're all kind of outsides of the same thing in my opinion. You know, like I think that hmm. free will belief or believing yourself to be a separate – chooser or a controller that's independent of the rest of the universe makes you become a selfish person like i really okay. think so and sure. yeah 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 because there is because there is distinction like i'm sorry leaving uh, libertarian free will aren't you? like if someone does something that you know uh, offends you either if it's an opinion or whatever um you're more you're more likely to Hold a grudge against them than if you were, um, if you didn't believe in free will. Yeah. Um, what I was gonna say, like uh, determinism, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it gets it gets complex. I mean, it gets complex with Spinoza. He uses a lot of heavy language, um, and it gets really complex and convoluted when when you have you know uh, Calvinists and and um, fundamentalists and people that uh, are, you know, that you have this these kind of orthodox. Um, uh, groups within Christianity that believe that there is determinate, you know, um, determination that, that everything has been determined ahead of time in advance. And so no matter what you do, you're just doing exactly what was already laid out. Uh, this, this gets complex. I mean, cause there's, there is some truth to that. Like in my model, there is truth when it comes to the concept of time that we are experiencing time in a linear sense, you know, start to finish beginning and end. But let's, I actually, let's, let's get into hold. Oh, let's get into that. Yeah, yeah. You know, on this podcast, we've had yeah. differences related to this. In other words, I'm a pantheist also, right? Sure. And like, yeah, as yeah. a pantheist, I see like the universe and God are synonymous, right? God right. is everywhere. But like, some of us on this podcast, they're not here today. Most of them, um, or maybe perhaps all of them, <clears throat> they don't. They don't believe that the universe can be either conscious or intelligent. Whereas, like, you know, basically, like, this idea that we human beings don't have a free will, you know, is in a sense saying that nothing is up to us, but then we have to explain everything we do in terms of what is causing us to do this. So what's your take on, like, the universe in terms of, like, for example, um, the laws of nature, um, everything being governed, created, controlled by some kind of entity that we can either refer to as God or the universe? Okay, are you, are, do we have time to get into this? I was going to oh, ask. Well, we might as well go with this because, uh, you know, unless you want to, like, Chandler, do you want to do a different podcast for this? or? Well, here's what I'm thinking, guys, is I'm thinking that um, that because this is all one conversation, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily like the idea of splitting it up. I kind of just like sure. us to have it all just flow how one subject flows Let's to another. It. Yeah, so sounds, keep it good. Organic. sounds good, Chandler. Cool. All right. It's cool. Yeah, I have no, I have no qualms at all about uh, discussing this, and this is what I spend uh, like ninety-five percent of my time actually doing. Okay, um, I don't believe that the universe is conscious on any kind of cognitive, intellectual, um, uh, you know, anthropomorphic humanoid level. 
and for a very simple reason that there is pain and suffering in the world. That, that, that there cannot be a conscious deity yeah. or a conscious being that's in control of everything that is superior and yet and knows about everything that's going on and everything that, that animals and humans suffer and never intervene and never – and it's basically the deistic god, which is he's just an asshole. an asshole. He's a complete asshole because he created everything and then he just let it let it you know do its thing and that's just a, like a delinquent, neglectful parent. I don't, I don't believe that at all, but what I do believe is – and obviously – Everything is aware on a certain level. I've, molecules, plants, every single atom is is aware on a level, on a certain level, not an intellectual level, but kind of like on a responsive level that, because it interacts with everything else around it. A table, a car, uh, you know, a chair, a cat, a human would not be what they are if the elements of their body were not on some level conscious of the other aspects of their body and the other aspects of reality. So you have these degrees so that everything is aware. Okay. And then, and then as evolution um, progresses and transpires, you have sentience where animals, you know, think and feel, and then you have sapience where uh, higher animals, cetaceans, dolphins, and whales, uh, primates and humans have the ability to, to think with, um, you know, complex uh, abstraction and, and can, um, cognate, you know, with, use reason and dream and imagine things. And that's, um, sapience. And then you have consciousness. I, right, well, I hold on. Let, let's explore the, the idea of a universe that either plans or doesn't plan from the perspective of evolution. I think we all agree about evolution and let, uh, uh, let's explore this example. You have an animal that takes, let's say 5 million years to evolve wings where it can fly. Let's say it's a bat, let's say it's a, you know, whatever preceded the bird. Now, what I can't understand is like how that cannot have been planned because like, in other words, like for genera generation after generation after generation, this these wing-like things, you know, wings are developing, but they're not useful for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years and so, like, I can't see a process by which that can happen unless there was a guiding planning process that, that, that knew that, like, five got, million years later, sure. there would be wings. Right, so, so the, okay, so I think I understand your, um, your perspective, but, I mean, if you understand um, evolutionary biology, there, bi evolution has no, it has no agenda, it has no outcome, it has no predetermined plan. It actually just literally responds based on whatever organism, whatever situation, whatever organism is in, and, and then the helpful and beneficial traits are what get passed on, and then the ones that don't work and are, you know, are, uh, are, are, are negative or maladaptive. I know, relate are, relate are, that, I understand that, but relate that to a wing. I'm, I'm, saying that's, I'm saying that's how it works. I'm saying over millions of years, what you have is the most efficient uh, organisms at whatever they are, whether it's a tiger or a wolf or a bat or a bird, because the most beneficial traits are what are what are being passed I, on. I understand what you're saying, but but think about what, what I'm proposing. In other words, like before the wings, you know, are functional, they're hmm. like stumps. They're, they could be like stumps for hundreds of thousands of years. Then they're bigger stumps and they have absolutely no use, you know, until they become fully functioning wings. So, yeah, so yeah, okay. uh, I, I don't think it would be useless. Just like the um ostrich, they'll use it to fly, but their wings does have some use. It's like when it's running. It kind of make yeah. They use I think it for I, I think I understand what you're. Uh, I'm sorry. I think I understand what you're saying. 
Um, but we don't want to get confused. We don't want to project um, this. It's difficult because I do believe that there is this teleological intent. What you're talking about is tele teleology. And I do believe there's this teleological intent, but it is not specific. It The only, the only intention of, of God, the universe, nature, whatever, is to evolve and become more efficient and more self-aware, self-organized, um, adapt, evolve, survive. I think what you're actually talking about is the inclination, what I would call the divine principle, the life principle that's found in all nature that actually allows living organisms to evolve and adapt. The fact that we adapt at all because it's the adaptation that creates um, the, you know, the beneficial traits which get passed on. But I think what you're um, sort of marveling over is, and in a good way, I think it's the, the, the ability to adapt at all. It's, this, it's the process itself for interacting with other organisms, other, other environments. That's what um, we, weeds out the weak and, and makes the strong survive and allows um, you know, beneficial mutations, whether it's mutations or different traits. Whatever traits happen to be the most efficient, most beneficial, or what get passed on, it's, our, it's the, the ability of all living organisms to adapt itself. That's right, the miracle there. Even, the even miracle. if we simplify, we can simplify this away from wings to the simple uh, drive to reproduce and survive. You know, right, it seems right. like living organisms why, have why this. Is he, why is it even there? That's, the, that's, that's, that's my question. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. sure. Well, why is it there? I believe it's there because I believe that all of nature is the body of God, which is essentially unconscious and is now coming back into conscious awareness of itself. It is evolving to become one cohesive being again. That the moment of the Big Bang, literally, I believe, the Dios, like, uh, destroyed itself, literally became the physical universe, and now over millions and millions of years, you know, 13.7 billion years of evolution, and not knowing ahead of time how it was going to work out, but doing it for the, for the sake of the experience itself, for the sake of knowledge, of education, um, for the sake of experiencing the novelty of, of, of being all the different things that the universe and, and nature is. And it's that internal, what you're talking about is that innate, intrinsic, internal drive, that push to evolve, adapt, survive, become something better, become you know self-organized, become more and more self-aware, greater and greater levels. That's what nature is doing. Nature is is collectively as a whole on this planet. We've seen we don't know on other planets, but I believe it's happening everywhere. Um, is becoming more and more and more self-aware and and literally uh, like waking up, like almost like uh, if I'm going to use um allegorical anthropomorphic terms, just so you, you follow me, because I don't think you guys are too opposed to that. Um, so let's, this is the simplest way I can explain it. It's like God existed before the big bang. Okay. Whatever you think of as God, an infinite all knowing being that was omniscient, omnipresent everywhere all at once. But yet there was no, it existed in potentiality. There was just, just infinite thoughts, like every, you know, quantum fluctuations of every possible scenario that could ever be. And, and it literally could not be anything because it was everything. So it literally gave up its divinity and became the universe so that it could experience the entire process that the universe and nature is experiencing from start to finish, from, from the Big Bang onward to, to the development of, of, uh, of conscious life. All right, so let me ask you something. Let me ask you something in terms of time then. It, you know, let's say sure. going on what you just said, uh, the universe is like you know, uh, 13.8 billion years old. So are you saying that the, this potentiality existed as a potentiality 
throughout the eternal past. Every, or, every, or, oh, go ahead, sorry. Or, 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 or another, the possibility, another possibility is like that there have been like infinite number of, of big bangs and big crunches. It's like, you sure. know, a back and forth. The, uh, the model is, I mean, this gets into some other stuff. I can talk to you guys about it later, but I, I believe that the, the universe is fundamentally a gigantic torus. So that you have the funnel and, and the, the, the singularity. I thought you were going to ask me was the potentiality there. All the potential for the universe that exists, for the known universe, was in that singularity. That's why I'm a pantheist and I'm not just a, a, you know, a, an agnostic, an atheist or a staunch materialist, you know, reductionist scientist. Because like the potentiality is there and then it, and then it expanded outward and, and it's the creation, the self-organization, it's all – eminent it's it's internal it's intrinsic in nature itself it's doing this from within not from without not from outside like an outside source but the universe nature itself is evolving itself over millions and millions of years of time and what i'm saying is this would never have happened unless something initiated it unless there was a first cause that that wanted all of this to happen i mean everything that we see that's transpired is exactly like like what the universe wanted it just didn't. It just had no idea how it was going to transpire. It it let it it let its own nature kind of start to reorganize and and, and reassemble itself. That's what it's doing through conscious life. You follow me? I know it's. it's well, I, I have a question. It, it sounded kind of like earlier, like about like God. Be, you were talking about God becoming the physical universe with the Big Bang, and then. It's sort of reorganizing into a self-aware thing again or something. It sounds almost like right. a supernova. Like it sounds like how stars explode. But every, then... every single – yeah, every single um, action and activity that goes on uh, in the cosmos, that is – that is it's a fractal it's, – it's another version like as above, so below of what actually is happening on the macro scale. So when you – you can literally understand this just by examining fruit. Just by examining our, our own our own human biology, we're actually all doing the same exact thing. We're doing the same process. We're taking energy, processing it, and then expanding it out. It gets recycled. It's all a cyclical a cyclical model. It's a system. And um, what you were saying is part of my ontology is pan pandeism, which essentially means that there was this infinite being that we, it's unknowable. We can't know it. We will never know. But what I know is whatever it was. Everything that exists is a reflection of it. Everything that exists had to have come from it. So what I'm saying is it was actually the, the ultimate potentiality. It's just pure potential energy, just pure conscious potential energy. And then it became physical matter, and now and, and it, it almost like erased its own memory so that now the process of nature and evolution is the process of, of divinity coming back into cohesion with itself. And it's learning and growing, and, and through human beings and through sentient and sapient organisms, we are just now learning that that suffering and death and pain and murder and lying and stealing and killing is wrong. And we are we are evolving beyond all that to basically embrace all of the other differentiated aspects of ourself, which is which is nature. We are all nature. We are products of nature, you know. And so God is the universe. God is nature, and God literally is remembering that it's God, and that's what. What, that's why conscious life is becoming conscious, and eventually, I mean, this is my future extrapolation that we will come back into coherence and and symbiotic through symbiotic relationships. That's what we're all moving toward: altruism and, and um, you know cooperation. We're literally just accepting the other aspects of our own body, 
That's what we are. But we human beings are very unique. We are the essentially, specifically, we are the mind and sort of the conscience, conscience, like like in terms of morality and ethics of this divine being, which is the. Uh, I've got two, I've got two questions. I've got two questions. Like because like you say, developing morality. Yeah, yeah. So we human beings are the consciousness of this reality. But like, I mean, I would I would suppose you would also say that whatever other life sentient life evolved life there is in the universe is along with us we human beings absolutely. part of this consciousness yeah, okay. absolutely every other species every other planet every other galaxy and solar system there's 8.8 billion earth-like planets just in the milky way alone that's just one galaxy so everywhere throughout the universe this is happening this is transpiring we only know the history and the, the experience of our planet but I believe this is happening everywhere. I mean, we're, we're just too uh, far away from other, the other, other question. Forms. The other it's, question is about basic yeah. logic. In other words, like I, I believe you posited the idea of a first cause, and like right. doesn't that seem seem to transcend logic or just kind? In other words, like what would have caused the first cause? That that's kind of the logical question. There is no to being. The, the infinite regression problem. The problem with infinite regression. That's okay because what we're literally talking about is. The, the, the existence of nature itself. Look, look at it. I'll put it in more materialistic scientific terms. The laws of nature have always existed. The universe has not always existed. The universe as we know it started you know, 13.8 billion years ago. But the laws of nature, meaning nature itself, existence itself already existed before this. Otherwise, where did all of this come from? This, can't, this is just, a, this is just the, the local manifestation. It's the other side of what was on the other side of the Big Bang. Yeah, this is where I have to jump in, this. guys. Because this is what this is where I have to jump in. Because here's the deal: like the way I look at it, as far as the infinite regress is concerned, like I can agree with Poffo here, and like the universe as we know it now did not exist. Like the way it's configured, the way things are arranged, the the way what we see is. However, there has always been matter, like in the laws of nature. Like so, I'm I'm sort of like the infinite regress, eternal universe. Actually, ener energy. It would it would have been it, it's it would have been energy. There was no matter before the Big Bang. There was just energy. But energy matter is uh, is energy just on a lower frequency on a slower. Yeah, I'm using them interchangeably. Yeah, I'm using them interchangeably. It's always been energy. Yeah. Right. I'm using the terms interchangeably because I don't really know the difference. Energy, energy matter. Yeah. They actually they call it energy matter now. Yeah. Energy slash matter, whatever you call it, is eternal in that sense of always having existed. And and that's because as far as far as I've heard, it matters neither create nor destroyed. Like the same energy or the same matter. Einstein's. Sure. Einstein's law of conservation of energy, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed. It's just transformed. So energy has always existed. So God, if you want to call it God, whatever you want to call it, I, I call it the omnia because uh, omnia is Latin for all, for everything. So instead of using the word God because there's so much baggage and negative connotations along with that because of the religious um, traditions, I say the omnia. The omnia has always existed. Um, the all, the, the everything, the universe, nature has always existed in one form or another. Our, our particular universe right now is this this particular manifestation of of the universe and it's getting back to that idea of consciousness everything has a level of awareness but you know only the higher life forms you need a brain and a mind um you know as a as a as a medium to produce consciousness but everything is aware atoms are aware you know like everything responds to everything else because it is aware of everything else on a certain level not on the same 
not on the same cognitive intellectual level, you know, as uh, sapient sentient organisms, but everything is aware. So that, that gets into panpsychism, which you guys were talking about on that other podcast. Um, I'm, I'm not a panpsychist because that is too close to animism. The idea that everything is alive and conscious and kind of has its own mind. I mean, we know that plants, you know, respond and they can respond to pain and fear and all these different things. And on, in their own way, they, they are conscious, but we don't want to use the word conscious. I don't, t- you know, choose to use the word consciousness when it comes to non-human, um, uh, the lower life forms. I would say, you know, everything is just aware. Everything is aware, then everything becomes uh, sentient, then everything becomes sapient, then everything becomes conscious, and consciousness is the goal. I believe but- consciousness existed before the Big Bang, and it's what will exist at the end of time. And it's what's driving and pushing everything is the memory of that consciousness that's latent within all energy matter that's causing it to adapt and evolve and survive and reproduce and, and you know, function autonomously and heal. That's, that, that some, is the, the divine some, principle within matter. Some of, us, some of us on this podcast have, have advocated for order emerging from disorder, whereas like right. if, we start, if we start with the premise – that the laws of nature have always existed, then it would seem that we're we're like you know my, my position on this is that no that that order has to be preeminent. Order has to precede sure. everything yeah, yeah. else. You're just saying you're saying what I said. What I you're saying what I believe. This is called pandeism. You're just saying what I believe in a different way. That we call it the dios. Obviously, it's it's all it's logical that you can't you cannot have this propensity this this penchant for life and for for evolution. Without having uh, like a like a singular wish or desire or intention uh, to cause it, it's, this is just cause and effect. This is the law of cause and effect. They want to, scientists want to get away from that because there's no uh, you know material empirical physical evidence for it. But it's it's just deduction. It's just logical reason that that, that causality, cause and effect. Um, like it it whatever it was, it wanted all of this, and that's why all of this happened. Um, I don't. I know that it's not conscious, and this isn't a god that we can relate to, and sort of pray to, and and mm. um, you know, petition, and and uh, right. We're not talking to, about a god that can do just, favors. Yeah. This is not. Oh, no. This is not theism. This is not theism. This is not. Um. It's not even. It's not theism. It's not monotheism. Okay. It's not polytheism. Um. It's deism, but it's not that the the the, the watchmaker, the creator, made everything and then went away. To not care, it made everything by being everything, by becoming everything. So it's actually you don't have to be mad at God for suffering, pain and suffering, because it's God that's actually suffering. Every time a human and animal suffers, everything that everyone goes through, that is God suffering and learning what suffering is and learning experientially what it's like to be a subjective uh, manifestation yeah, of itself. Yeah, Paulo. Basically, we're we're not we're talking about. We're not talking about like the type of God that people are believing in where they think they can pray and have God change the laws no. of physics so that people stop no. falling toward the ground or something like that. Miracles and, and you know, suspending the laws of nature. No, the laws of nature are in place um, so that God can evolve. But uh, we're you, guys, not talking- you guys got to understand like whenever anybody prays because we don't have a free will, it's actually God making them pray for what God already knew what they were going to pray if, if we believe sure. in that. <laughs> or what they, yeah, what they want. I mean, there, there's, there's some weird ramifications to this because in my model, in my toroidal model, 
the god of myth and legend that's what we're talking about we're talking like this god of myth and legend that is um you know Je jehovah yahweh allah just to use the, the monotheistic uh faiths um this this god of myth and legend actually existed before the beginning of time and it's actually what we're all evolving into and that's what we're becoming it does not exist right now because we're not all united we're not we haven't all become one organism that's what all of the all of the life forms in every other star system and galaxy and and you know on every planet is doing it's literally coming back into cohesion with itself this is the the the, the purpose of evolution is to go let through me ask this whole you, do, do you believe that this yeah. this uh, process will have to take let's say hundreds of billions of years more or do you think it can like happen at any time instantaneously you know what's, you know what's fascinating obviously i would wish for it to happen in my lifetime or, or in the near future and i'm trying to contribute it you know, to it by being a yeah, vegan and by activism, but <laughs> obviously, but I mean, if we're talking on a purely physical level, this is that we're talking about in like light years into the future. We're talking about billions and billions and billions of years of every every living organism uniting and becoming one. And but you know what? This is what's fascinating. Okay, with with the advent of the internet and technology, I mean, we're going to get to a point where we can literally upload our consciousness. Okay, and and clone human bodies, you know, through stem cells and whatever. You, your body gets old and gets worn out. You just upload your consciousness. You make you make a new body, and you can you potentially live forever. You can extend the telomeres and and essentially become immortal. That's the first step: is overcoming death. We overcome death. We become immortal. We continue to educate ourselves, and we we grow and expand. You know, in this exponential um, rate because of of the interconnectedness of our technology, and and eventually probably have psychic abilities and and all this stuff that. We're talking about human evolution. I mean, X Men stuff, and and who knows? I mean, maybe it could happen sooner than than expected. Um, maybe we're a part of it right now. You know, a raising consciousness. This kind of universal uh, pantheistic uh, worldview, just believing that everything's interconnected, that everything is really divine. This is very important because this this absolutely does away with all stratification, all discrimination, all um disparity between people and animals we're talking about the ultimate form of equality if we're literally all made of stardust and we all came from the singularity and we were all divine imagine a world where human beings saw each other as as fellow uh not just members of the same family but parts of each other's body like we are all one one living organism and we are yeah. and imagine if we if we if we could cultivate this and we could promote this and we could you know, foster this mindset that literally there is no distinction. The distinctions between us are so minuscule. It takes how many trillions of cells are in your arm, in your body right now? They're all working together in cohesion and unity to, to form your arm, to do all the things that, that the skin cells do or, or any part of your body that the, the liver, how it detoxifies the, you know, the, the stuff in you, the, the, the microorganisms in your gut that are, that are working. We're all part of one, you know, gigantic organism. Yeah. The sooner we realize that better. You and know? basically and that, what you're progress. yeah, what you're saying basically is imagine if we were all realizing, if we were aware that we were all one and we were and like all, say all the humans were working together as well as the cells in our body um, work <laughs> together, that would yep. basically that would basically form the ultimate intelligent efficient system. That would And you and you realize you realize that it's going to happen. You know why it's going to happen? Because our bodies are already doing it, and we didn't create our own bodies. We'll something else, something else 
created our own body. Well, you know what? The human race might die out, but life itself will go on. In some other way, shape, or yeah. form, life through panspermia, you know, on other planets will continue to evolve and it'll do it. It might not be Homo sapiens that make it there, but uh, we got we got some good chances now, like Carl. Well, yeah. See, that's what I talk about. That's my idea of eternal life: the fact that life um, of some form, having no beginning and not sure. really having an end either. Yeah. And see, Poffo, like, here's the deal: like, like you know, I tell people that I'm atheist because I don't believe in the mythos, the god of legend, the one of the Christianity, Judaism, Islam, all that stuff. Yeah. But at the same sure. time, as far as everything being of uh, the one universe, we're all the, we're all life, we're all matter, energy, universe. It's monism. It's called it's called substance monism. Monism, you know, mon, mon, mono meaning one. Yeah, substance yeah, all monism. is one. We're, we're all one thing. We're all just one thing scattered up into trillions of different parts. Yeah, so I fully agree with that. Yeah, I fully agree with the the yeah the oneness, the well, monism. Hey, I got I got news for you, channel. You're a pantheist. <laughs> well, you don't even know it. You're yeah, well, here's the deal. Well, it's like I, I'm an atheist too. I'm an atheist to every other man-made religion that's ever been created. I don't believe in in Yahweh or Jesus or Thor or Zeus or or uh, Hades or or I'm trying to think of some more exotic Quetzalcoatl. Well, um, yeah, you know, absolutely. I don't believe in any other god that's that's ever been invented by man. Those are all projections. Those are all, those are all those human, you know, fallacies projecting onto nature. You know, personifying nature. Um, yeah, I, I don't believe in a, in a personal anthropomorphic deity. I just literally I believe in reality. I just look at nature and I look at the, the natural world. I look at, at at what science tells us, and I understand that you know, like literally, we're all connected and and we're all one thing. And this, you know, we need to recognize that and and work together and live in harmony with nature because that's us living in harmony with ourselves. Yeah. See, yeah. here's the deal. Like, like I said in a previous um, a podcast I did with the guys, how someone could be um, pantheist and atheist at the same time because you're yeah, atheist yeah. to like those traditional gods of the old holy books or whatever. But you, you're yeah. like, if you subscribe to monism and you realize we're all one, that this reality, this one reality universe and, and some like George call it God, and then Papa, what you've done is you've introduced this new word of the omnia, be, like the omni meaning all, and that makes sense because that provides us like an alternative term to use because the word God does have a lot of baggage. And see, that's been my only disagreement. Like, because you know, George uh, has talked about pantheism and called it acutheism on previous podcasts. My only disagreement has been not wanting to use the word God because of the baggage associated with that. Word. I don't even. I don't even like using. I don't even like the word pantheist because it, uh, pantheism because it implies theism. I'm not a theist, and this is not theism. I don't believe in you know a distinct. Uh, you, know, you know, higher intelligence that 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 is omniscient, omnipresent, um, omnipotent, and and inter intervenes and it interacts with, uh, you know, with the material world. Um, that's that's theism. I don't believe in in the god of of uh, mainstream conventional religions. Right. Um, I I would I would call it something else. I actually came up with um, omni deist monism. So <laughs> omni omni deism. Right, so that's all. Yeah, and I've been trying ideas. to search for a term like for what I actually yeah. believe because like well, you can I'll, call it call it whatever you want. You you, you could just say you know you you believe in biocentrism and you know whatever you're you're yeah. um, 
Yeah, see, yeah, because a long all, time ago, like if you look huh? like on one of the titles of our Free Will Science Religion podcast that I did, its title I believe is Bi Biotheism and Intentional Evolution, and that was oh, where really? I you uh, you you use the word biotheism. Yeah, and I have a friend. I have a friend who came up with that. He has his own sort of codification of pantheism that he developed, um, called biotheism. I think he changed it to biosophy now. It's called. Well, biosophy. here's what's funny. Here's how it happened. Where'd, Papo. where'd you get that word? Well, here's the yeah. deal, Pafo. Basically, I had never heard that word before. But here's the deal. After I met George, and since pantheism, like pan, what mean what supposed to mean all, and theism means God, and he was saying, well, God is all. God is the reality one universe and he was saying that stuff and I thought well I what if I just say God is life and then I combine bio mm -hmm. meaning life with theism right. and then that's yeah. how I came up with the word biotheism and it's fascinating and, yeah that's <laughs> my how friend I would have up. my friend would have a conniption if you found out he, <laughs> he he spent like the last 10 years working on this um he has his own um he's developed he he, he inspired me a great deal you see uh, we were working together to try and create a pantheist community here in Los Angeles here, and uh, but we've we've kind of parted ways. I mean, we're still friends, but he has developed this system that um, has new terminology. Uh, is trying to develop rituals. Is trying to change the whole structure of it. Basically, it's a it's it's pantheistically based, but it involves activism. It involves sort of drawing the best from all of the world's um, ancient cultures and ancient um, mystical traditions. I'm much more of a um, I'm closer to like a Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins kind of guy. Like I love all those guys and, and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye and um, you know Richard Carrier, uh, Robert Price. I'm not sure if you know these guys, but they're mythicists. And, guys, you know, let, I, let me let me um, focus us in on, on something more yeah. fundamental because like basically, what are we doing? We're trying to understand the nature of reality. Um, sure. If we talk about politics and society, why to create uh, a better society, which 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 really translates to greater pleasure, less pain. That that's our sure. biology. Sure. Minimizing. Right? Like, minimizing so hold on, hold on. Let me let me let me finish. So the idea yeah. is like all we're talking about is part of this, you know, solution to pain to like you know the idea of increasing pleasure more and more. Now you know what we're doing is useful. Overcoming free will belief is useful. Overcoming theism is useful, but. When we consider that we are biological beings, that we're, uh, we have a neurobiology, I mean, don't you think it would be very intelligent? In other words, don't you think it might be humanity's foremost task a as a species to overcome, you know, this, this pain and to, to, to not just that, but to, to create human beings or to create the capacity within human beings to experience bliss? biophysiologically. In other words, I'm talking about whether it's like a, a bliss pill, some kind of a happiness pill, because like, think about it, what we're talking about, yes, the, the, pro the world has many, many problems, and a lot of them stem from our misunderstanding of reality. Hold on, Delissi. So like, you know, and, and so what we're doing is useful, but would we agree that, that since we're biophysiological and since we seek pleasure, avoid pain, we're hedonic creatures, that, you know, in terms of efficiency, in terms of focus, you know, all we have to do is really like find this mechanism to to basically 
uh, block or eliminate this 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 pain messaging system, re replace it with something that's not painful, and all of a sudden, yeah, all this stuff is great. But but then humanity, our human species, and perhaps the rest of the animal kingdom can be where we as 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 a, as living beings really want to be. Okay, uh, you you brought up a lot there. You, um, there's a lot of issues there. There's a lot of uh, thoughts and themes. Um, what you're talking about is equilibrium, like uh, the Christian Bale uh, film where they take the drug and it's in the future and they don't have emotions anymore and they, they don't have the, the extreme range of emotions anymore. But then it becomes kind of a, a fascist, uh, you know, uh, sort of neo-Nazi kind of culture. And, and, they, and then um, there's the, the rebels who want well, to Well, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> no, I'm saying, I'm saying it can be misconstrued like that. We don't want to eliminate pain in a sense like that pain – a certain level, we don't want to eliminate pain because pain is useful. Pain lets us know um, that we're in danger, that our physical body, you know, is being threatened. What we want to do is create more uh, homostasis. We want to create more balance, so there's less um, less stratification and disparity between the extreme extreme pain and and pleasure, because that's what we have. We have people who are dosing up, you know, heroin junkies who just want to escape and feel all the pleasure all the time, and they literally let their let their lives go. And everything goes to shit, and then you have other people who are just struggling and suffering and are in constant pain. So it's these extremes that we're trying to avoid. A huge part of my uh, philosophy is balance. It's all about balance. We need to to remember and do everything. Everything that we do needs to be ordered and structured based on this idea of balance and homostasis. This is one of the of the um, characteristics, qualities of life. Is is that a, a living organism within its its own um, body it creates a, a certain level of homostasis so that everything is in balance and working together. That's what you're really talking about. Is, well, is no, 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 no. For example, with pain, right? Pain is a messenger. It, it basically, okay. you know, we put our hand on a hot surface. Pain tells us to remove our hand so we don't. George, you realize that we. This is exactly what we've been doing. This is a pain, you know, pain medication. Um, you know, the 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 blockers, the anesthetics. We we've developed all this stuff, and this is what we've what we've done. Um, this is what we do when people go under, you know, under surgery and, and whatever. And this is what we do in a, in a destructive way when we, when we drink and consume, you know, um, whatever, whatever it is, hallucinogens, drugs and alcohol and stuff. So we, we're, we're doing that. But you're saying that like that is a, getting rid of pain itself would be beneficial to our evolution so that there's not these extreme reactions in response to it. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, because like, you got to realize fundamentally we human beings seek pleasure and avoid pain. That's what all sure, organisms sure. do. So, so not only should we be working on more sophisticated pain blocking, you know, mechanisms, but we should also be working on safe, effective mechanisms to just you know, raise our happiness level from where it is now to to 10 times higher so like so yes the world may still have various problems right but if people are in, incredibly happy what more can we ask for <laughs> are you so let's uh like what, what do you advocate i mean we want to like um put thc in the water you know what do you want to do like well, um, i mean well, i mean like, everybody i mean we're doing it we're working towards it i mean how many states now have legalized marijuana so everybody's high and stoned we're going to be a lot happier we might exactly. It's a euphoric. It's a euphoric. But like, we can develop even more effective um, uh, agents than THC because THC, I mean, like, it's great. It's a euphoric. But like, imagine that the times 10 or 100.
I would say yeah, ecstasy. If we're gonna if we're gonna go all out, let's get everybody uh, on E, and we're all gonna be you know we're gonna be like the Bonobos, just having sex. Just everybody's gonna be screwing everybody, and and then we have the overpopulation problem again. So, well, again, and the other thing is that these these things, like the way I envision it, is like we create something like this, and let's say a generation or two take it right, and then through that experience of like ten, a hundred times. Of more happiness, then they create a world sociologically through education, government, all the, the institutions that will mirror or, or just like um, perpetuate that, that higher consciousness. Um, I, I believe uh, it's an aspect to be sure. It's definitely an aspect um, alleviating, you know, uh, the pain um, and doing it in, in, in healthy holistic ways where we don't we don't become addicted to it because since we are like you said pleasure seeking and you know pathway of least resistance there are there are uh, if we have scores of people who have these addictive personalities and who are unbalanced and, and unstable emotionally unstable they will um take advantage of that and obviously it's not going to be productive and i so, agree with you i agree with you it has to be safe and it, it can't have these long-lasting side effects absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah um, but I mean, what we're talking about on the, on the greater, the greater scope and scale of things is we're talking about, uh, cooperation and, and moving toward, um, you know, uh, the, a, a more sustainable society, uh, a more sane society that, that actually functions and operates the way about, see, I relate everything to biology because I mean, life is, is the most important. I mean, that's, that's all that really matters. Um, so I relate everything to like, to like human body, physical organisms, um, Exactly what you would try to do in your body when you're sick, when things are out of control, when you have cancer cells that are totally um, dominating and they don't realize that they're part of a greater system. I mean, that's exactly what you know, what uh, ideologies and religions and and um, certain uh, destructive um, you know belief systems are, uh, certain destructive uh, you know mindsets. Like that's that's what the same thing happens. So that you have to either cut them out, get rid of them, kill them. Or they have to recognize that they're part of a greater system and that, that literally it doesn't even matter if you don't like the person next to you. If you have racial inclinations, you have to recognize that they bleed, bleed red too and that, that what you do affects them and what they do affects you. And you know, once you recognize and really understand that we're in an interconnected system, then it, it eliminates this because you don't, you don't get pissed off at your finger or your hand for not working right and start like punching and smashing your own fingers, you know? Like one part of your body doesn't like attack another part. Sometimes it does. You have, um, you know, autoimmune. Uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Um, autoimmune intoxication, where it, it, it gets confused and it doesn't Wolf recognize. What's that? Yeah. It, syndrome. Yeah. It, that, that happens occasionally because it's not a perfect system. Um, but essentially, your whole body works. I mean, for most healthy people, generally healthy, we, we don't even realize how how. What what beautiful um, syncretism is happening at all times in our brains and our muscle tissue and our in our digestive system and our skeletal system everything is working together and that order and that structure and that that harmony was 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 pre-existent it came way before humans and primates ever evolved it existed and it exists in nature because it is a fundamental aspect of nature the fundamental property of life is homostasis so. We need to we need to strive and work towards uh, work towards that towards a biocentric attitude of, of um, homostasis. You know, uh, let, let me let me let me suggest a fast track to that because essentially what you're saying is like 
the, the better we understand ourselves, our interconnectedness and all, the better we're going to be, or, or better, uh, another way of saying it, the more morally we're going to act, the, the more ethical we're going to become, the more we're going to do Absolutely. the right thing instead yeah, of the wrong yeah. thing. So again, like now, um, have you explored the idea that our conscience, that aspect of our mind that is good at understanding right from wrong, um, that that can be strengthened um, biochemically, you know, so like it's not just about boosting mood, it's bo boosting our ability to distinguish right from wrong. Um, I only caught the, the first part of that because I was typing something, but uh, you're saying that, that what's most important is ethics and morality? No, no, the, the basically what all we're talking about, like in terms of, you know, identifying our interconnectedness, you know, that we're one right. and all. Why, right. why do we want to do this? We want to do this so we will behave better, so we'll, we, we'll be better to each other, to ourselves. So what I mean, I'm suggesting... And, and it's, yeah, so what I'm suggesting is a way to fast track that in the sense that, like, basically, we could work on developing a biochemical boost for our conscience, this aspect of our mind, of our brain, that's involved in distinguishing right from wrong. So fine, the ideology, the understanding, the philosophy, getting, you know, that we don't have free will, all that stuff is good. But if, if we can, like, boost our ability to to do the right thing, you know, this 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 mm -hmm. aspect of our mind that we refer to as conscience, that's a way to fast track all this, to, to go directly to the source of what, what if, we really what if need. That, what, if that, um, what if that remedy was actually uh, a greater awareness of the interconnectedness? What if, what if it is actually what we would call, you know, religious naturalism, the, the, the deep understanding, the, the awe-inspiring sort of um, human response to the, to the beauty and complexity of the cosmos. And what I'm trying to say is what if the religious experience itself becomes the drug, but in this case, it's not based on fantasy and delusion. It's based on scientific biological reality. What if we teach and promote science and reality and and show people how miraculous and 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 incredible and extraordinary um, you know this this whole system is this whole experience of life really is so that people are literally getting high on life itself. I, yeah, I know I it think, sounds campy, yeah, but I think it sounds what, campy, but, but what, yeah. you were, what you were suggesting is like a moral enlightenment. I mean, there's people, there's people like the Buddha, like Gandhi, like these religious figures that apparently in their, the recognition of, of right and wrong and all, they far exceeded uh, everyone else or most people. Right. Uh, so I yeah, think I gotta, I gotta say that, yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I think like if we can do this Buddha, naturalistically, that'd be great. I gotta say with the, yeah. With the Buddha though, I gotta say that was very specific. I mean, obviously his life story is an archetype, you know, um, as well, so we don't know how much is legend, how much is fact, and how much is fiction. Um, but like, what he was focused on was minimizing suffering by annihilating our desires. Like, like, because he, he put it together and said, if you don't desire anything, you're not going to be disappointed. So get rid of your desires, and you have peace and equanimity. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I agree with many tenets of Buddhism, but what I'm trying to say is our desires are there for a reason. They direct us. They guide us. Our 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 passions. Our instincts, all these things are there for a reason, and and they, they should work together in um in harmony. They should work in a, in, a, in a you know. You know, you know I, I agree with you. I, I run happiness meetup groups. You know, 
four here in White Plains, one in Manhattan. And for years I was teaching like, yes, let's minimize our desires, you know, and go. But then what I realized, and this was just maybe several months ago, was that it's not wanting and the desires that causes us to suffer. It's our mistaken conclusion that when we don't get what we want, when things are not the way we want, the appropriate, logical, helpful, necessary response is for us to suffer. In other words, like we need sure. to learn that we can be really, really happy, that we don't have to suffer when we don't get what we want. So you're sure. right, we can, it's, we can want it's about having a, yeah, a greater perspective. It's about having a, a larger, seeing the big picture and understanding that like, you know, you might not be getting what you want because maybe you're not ready for what you want. Maybe you'll fuck it up. If you get what you want, maybe you'll screw up everything and, uh, and then you'll, you'll suffer more. So it's, it's about maturity. It's really like the evolution of our species, just growing up and, and recognizing, you know, um, that like we're not in control of everything, but we have incredible power and influence and we, and we can accomplish, you know, great, you know, amazing things if we can tap into our, our divine potential within. And the divine potential, uh, don't get caught up when I say divine. I mean, you're a pantheist, so I'm sure it doesn't bother you. But if I'm speaking to an atheist, um, when I say divine, I mean it has nothing to do with the supernatural world. It has nothing to do with, uh, you know, uh, ghosts and, and ghosts and monsters and demons and angels and, and um, the religious concepts of, of the supernatural. Um, when I say divine, I mean the, the, the supernal, the highest greatest you know most um most magnificent thing that there is like someone would say this chocolate cake is divine you know it's it's the most magnificent most extraordinary most impressive um most intelligent most complex most powerful thing that there is and the only thing that that you know fulfills this criteria is nature so nature to me is divine and it's and nature is within us it's what allows me to heal when i get cut it's what it's what helps me get better my my white blood cells go to work or or you know lets me know that i'm tired and, and um and i sleep and then i get rejuvenated and I'm, I'm um my cells are restored and this is this is divine this is miraculous uh but it's not supernatural it's all naturalistic like uh, my philosophy is a completely naturalistic philosophy that is just a deeper awareness of the extraordinary uh, nature of of existence itself, of reality of the universe. Dude, I am so high on life right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> life is amazing when you think about it. And, you know, this is kind of an inter interesting thing. Like I I've shared this with George um, before, but basically be – like I think of like like the little cells as like little people that make up cities and countries which right. make up our bodies exactly basically. Yeah. yeah, I view them yeah. as the smaller parts that make up the whole just as as humans and other animals are part of larger communities which are part of a planet which is part of a, a galaxy which is part of a, right. a solar system. Biosphere, you know? ecosystem. Yeah. yeah, so basically I'm able to like think about the infinitely big and the infinitely small and I get kind of – I get kind of weird. Like I, I have this moment when I whoa, start. Whoa, whoa. You're, you're not, you're not joking. I thought you were just like making a joke. Look, hey, check it out. He's actually experiencing what we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting yeah, because yeah. I actually do have like that. Some would call it a religious experience, but like I'm experiencing the monism, and it's sure. a, it's a freaky thing. Like because I started looking at the a few years ago, I would look at the ants that that would crawl in our bathroom, which I don't want to kill, by the way. I have this thing I don't want to kill ants. I don't even... 
I don't even kill the spiders. Like I don't, I don't kill anything either, man. I'm, I'm a pantheist. I don't, I don't. Everything is, everything's divine. Everything's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, here's the yeah, deal. Uh, like, like. insect. I don't care what it is. Wow, man. You know what? Have you ever looked at an insect under a microscope? Have you ever looked? Have you I, ever looked at the comp- that the compound eye of a fly, or the or the just the, the complex structure of an insect? They are so exquisitely designed; it's amazing. Yeah, um, well, I I've never been able to look under a microscope, but I've seen pictures, you know. Yeah. But like, here's the deal. What I was saying though is that I have this experience because here's what it comes down to: is that because like an ant. Is like the smallest thing that I can see without a microscope. I have this thing about ants where I watch their behavior. I watch as they communicate with each other. I watch as they eat their eat food. I watch as they do all this stuff. And I realize that their behavior is exactly identical to the behavior of me and all the other humans. And when I see the oneness and the connection and I start seeing myself as that ant, it sort of turns into a weird experience and that's part of what – Chandler, what, what you're experiencing is, is pantheistic awareness. It's recognizing that literally like that ant is you and you are that ant. Like not in a, in a, in a physical sense but like – how do I use – in a qualitative – in a qualitative um, sort of uh, functional um, intrinsic way, like we're all doing the same thing. We're literally all doing the same thing, just at different levels, different levels of intelligence, different levels of evolution, different levels of awareness. We are all doing like the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting because I have that sense of oneness that we're all the same basic thing. And like now a lot of humans are able to do it with other humans and see that they're the same as other humans. And and some some see it with larger mammals, but very few people actually go all the way to where they actually identify tiny insects, even little living cells. What? Just me. I understand that it was like this, but when it comes to insects, it's just something about them that's just creepy. <laughs> he's still hung up on it. He's, he's oh, pushing yeah. his mind. He's getting the creepy. He's getting the eebie jeebies right now. Oh, yeah. See, there's, yeah, because a lot of people are that <laughs> way. Yeah, a lot of people are that way. I've had I've had so many tarantulas. I've had so many pets. I've taken so many spiders out of my house. I just catch them and let them go. You know, oh, why I kill when you can let let live? You know? Before I have um. I uh I wanted to say something, channel before I lose the train of thought real quick um you you said that life is so extraordinary and beautiful I want to I want to say something um life the experience of life is not it's actually full of horror and tragedy and turmoil and suffering and and oh. misery and violence but it's also filled with with beauty and and um intelligence and creativity and and astonishing you know complexity and 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 experiences it's both it's actually like the yin and yang that's life the experience life when you say life with the capital l like what i would i would capitalize i usually capitalize life the universe and nature i always put i always capitalize it because that is divine to me when you say life itself as in the life principle as in life the forces and powers the laws of nature the laws of physics um Thermodynamics, electromagnetism, yeah. uh, uh, gravity, strong and weak nuclear force, entropy, all these different things and, and life itself, the mother nature. We're talking about mother nature. When you think of 
this is a personification, obviously. When you think of what Mother Nature is, that is extraordinary and beautiful, and it is absolutely progressive. It is absolutely moving towards greater and greater levels of awareness and compassion and and like cohesive uh, coexistence. And that's what's divine and what's beautiful. Now, during that whole process, there is all kinds of horrible shit. And I, I know more about history than most people. I've, I've studied extensively, uh, yeah. especially Christian history in the, in the oh, dark ages. Okay, so I, I, it's very difficult. And I, and I expose myself to all kinds of things with the groups that I'm in, all kinds of uh, animal cruelty and violence and atrocity. So I, I, I am very aware of, of how horrific it is. And it's difficult at times to not become pessimistic and desp- you know despondent and nihilistic. But I have to balance it out because I know that there is both – life and death and, and pain and beauty and, you know, and, and goodness and evil. And it's all part of this, this gigantic experience, but this whole experience and the evolution of life itself is moving toward something that's, that's, that's beautiful and tremendous and, and, and it's bliss. It's, that's what we're moving towards is, is, uh, is, is we're moving towards heaven. That's what we're moving towards, you know? Yeah. And I know WSD wanted to say something, so I want to let him say something yeah. before. Go for it. Back to that bug thing. <laughs> if you get if you get bed bugs, would you not kill them? Okay, uh, I was about to. Okay, See, listen, listen. This, I this had is to, I was thinking no, that. this is a, this is very <laughs> this is very important. This is a good it's a good point. It's a good issue. Um, we used to have uh, experiments. We used to have these um uh these these sort of um uh, tests like in our in our in our groups on the early pantheist groups, and we'd say every every day we need to come up with something that is undesirable that is that is um that that is that is disgusting and gross or or generally something that we would not consider to be divine and and we need to name it and then we need to talk about how it actually fulfills a purpose and and find the beauty in it and find the intelligence in it and and show how it actually and you know slugs ticks maggots whatever it might be and what what is what purpose does it have there, there's absolutely a purpose, otherwise it wouldn't exist. It, it, it functions. Listen, parasites. I, you're asking that question. I'm going to get to that. Okay, parasites, things that feed on us, you know, um, bacteria. Obviously, what we have to first um, develop is a strong sense of uh, a oneness and acceptance and reverence for the divine within us. We have to first love and accept our own divine principle. And then base everything off else off of that, and recognize you know the divine principle and everything else. So I would say, are you gonna, you're asking me would I kill um, bed bugs if they're in my bed? Of course, because they are infesting you know my living quarters and they're they're threatening my biological life. If there's roaches, I actually really respect cockroaches and I lo- I, I'm fascinated by them. Like and I, I said, them. Than I, if I find a roach in my house, um, if I find a roach in my house. Either I'll take it outside, or if it's a little one, I have to kill it because they 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 you know they um, spread disease, they grow, they multiply, you become infested. So we are at odds with the other aspects of of nature, but as far as we're able, and we are able to a great to a really great uh, degree to not kill and not not you know harm and and respect and honor life, then we should. So so spiders aren't aren't hurting me, and I'll you know they're they're not poisonous. I'll take them outside. Um, any any life form that I find that I can care for, take care of, or help along the way, I, I will because I respect it, I honor it. Not because I'm, I'm this you know self righteous person, but because I genuinely uh, find life fascinating and and I, I study it and 
I respect it. And that's, that's the point. So, uh, so this, this is a kind of, I'm trying to summarize it here. If you come after me with a knife or hatchet, if you're threatening my life or, or my animals, or if you're threatening my family, I will, I will hurt you in self-defense. I will defend myself to protect my body, my person. I will fight you and do whatever I have to do. Okay. But I, but I will never, I will never kill or harm anything that I don't have to. So it's only out of necessity. You see what I'm trying to say? And this gets right. into a yeah. whole other, I want a second one. Veganism and veganism, but yeah, I won't go there right than now. I yeah, well, I want a second. I just, I just have a different, I just have a different awareness. Like, like, yeah, like, like I say, I say roaches. I just get angry. Yeah. Look, well, man, if you got if you got a parasite, if if you got a tapeworm, take it out and kill it because it's feeding on you. If there's a mosquito and it's drinking my blood, I'm gonna kill it because it's feeding on me. But I'm not. If I see a mosquito and it's not on me, I'm not gonna kill it. I, I don't kill flies. I just catch flies and I let them outside because I just I, I see the life that's in them. I see I see that they are uh, just another expression. Of nature, uh, another expression of uh, the divine. Me, so, me, yeah. I don't think I found that yet. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well, what I want to what I want to say about that is like it's important to understand what Poffo is saying. Basically, uh, is like, is there a way of of getting rid of something without killing it? And that's a bit that's an important. See, that's the important distinction there is because yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't collect bed bugs and then and then relocate them. I would probably just kill bed bugs because they are they are infringing on you know on our life and on, on the quality of our life. So that's why anything that's yeah, what? Yeah, Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I want to say about that. Fleas, fleas. I'll, I'll kill fleas because they're they're feeding on my cat and they, you know, they're they're multiplying and stuff. But again, I, I respect fleas as well. If you looked at a flea under a microscope, they're they look like aliens. They're fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I want to say about that though is it's it's a very interesting thing. Their height, their height, but yeah. Yeah, but like there there's an interesting case where there there does obviously exist some sometimes where. It is a, a, a matter of either kill or be killed. And what it comes down to is there comes a situation where whether it's another human or another animal or, or bed bug or cockroach or whatever it may be, where it's either you kill them or you end up getting killed or something like that. Um, yeah, it's, and, if it's affecting your well-being, if it's affecting your, you know, your experience – and I'm not talking about um, – if it's if it's if it's harming you in some way, the idea is to do no harm, and and there are obviously there are other aspects of nature that will feed on us, and this is a very important point actually that, that the atheists, a lot of atheists, and I would even say they're like more cosmicists, like in, in uh, Lovecraft's sort of um, mythos, and the way he viewed that that the universe is everything is out to kill you, everything nature is is cruel. And and essentially, the universe, nature is indifferent. There is no God. He was an atheist, you know. So, um, I take the opposite position that like, not everything is out to kill you. Everything is out to live. Every cockroach and spider and ant and flea and whatever vermin or pest that you might despise is just trying to exist and live and and fulfill its own uh, prime directive to to reproduce to feed itself. You understand? Once you understand that. Like th there's compassion. It creates a level of compassion where there's no need, and, unless there is a need, you know. Then then you don't you don't inflict harm. Um, like every single organism, whether it's bacteria, cancer cells, um, uh, like like parasites, 
I'm trying to think of the worst thing I could think of. I guess it would be a parasite. Um, it's just trying to it's just trying to exist. It's trying to live. It's doing exactly what it's been programmed to do. Getting back to the free will, I guess it has no choice. It is just doing exactly what what nature wants to do, and nature just wants to live. Nature, if you could personify it and ask it a question, what do you want? It would just say, I just want to live for as long as possible and, and, and in the most efficient way possible and I want to reproduce and reproduce and keep reproducing. And, and it, during that process, what ends up happening? It ends up becoming more and more and more intelligent, more and more self-aware, more and more uh, you know, uh, cognitive and, and, and um, just, just aware of its own existence w within the whole. So everything wants to live. So let things live unless they are uh, threatening your life. Then you absolutely have the right to defend yourself. You only hey, harm. Papa, Papa, I want to like segue to free will for a minute. Um, sure. If you're familiar with with some of my shows, um, I start out with this John Searle quote <clears throat> that for our world to accept that free will is an illusion would be a quote bigger revolution in human thought than Einstein or Copernicus or Galileo or Newton or Darwin and that it would alter our whole conception of our relation to reality. Um, what are your, what, what are, what's your take on, on that assessment? Do you believe that um, transcending free will is that major of, of, a, of a step in, in our um, evolution as a species? Yeah, how can I say this? Um, well, what you said right there, that intro was profound. It's very, very passionate and profound. Um, I personally don't, don't um, I don't hold it up in such high significance, except in terms, if you're talking about dispelling the indoctrination and the myths, you know, of, of, um, of Christendom, like, um, fundamentalist Christianity saying, Oh, that's why there's evil because we have free will and we chose to eat the fruit and stuff like that. So unless you're trying to debunk that concept, um, I don't really, uh, I don't really understand the significance, um, at all. And I okay. actually don't get into free will debates in my groups because I say we make choices, but those choices are influenced so that's it. So how is the idea of letting go of free will, how would it be so significant and powerful unless we're talking about within the religious context? Okay, I think most essentially in our human experience, and this, this really has to do more with society than religion, basically without the belief in free will, we could not logically, punitively blame anyone or ourselves for anything. Think about that. You know, like that, that in my mind would create so much compassion. You know, there, there would be no logical, rational reason that we could use to, to blame someone and as a result of that blame, want them harmed, want them punished, or and, ourselves. I see your, yeah, I see your, I, I can see it now. I, I understand the significance now and I can see your, um, your perspective on it. Uh, it. I guess it would tie in with, um, in a parallel sense, it would tie in with, our acceptance as a as a biopan um, as a biopantheist, my acceptance of the fact that I'm an animal. Okay, so that I would not. Uh, this is goes is the antithesis of what religions teach. But I am not this dirty, filthy, disgusting creature in need of salvation. I you know I'm I'm a sinner from birth. I am an animal, and I'm doing exactly what what my body is you know, is, is influencing me to do. And so I can love and accept myself and I can love and accept every other animal and life form, just like what I, the whole, you know, the whole conversation we were just having about, you know, insects and pests and, and, um, and vermin and stuff that like, once you acknowledge and understand that everything is just acting according to its own nature, that, that it, it will eliminate that, that intense, vehement hate and, and, 
you know, distrust and, and discord between people because we, we understand that we're operating based on our own biology. Yeah. So I can, I can relate to that. I, I also can see on the other end, um, that how this could be taken advantage of and you could say, okay, I have no free will. So, you know, whatever I do, I'm going to kick this dog. I'm going to beat the shit out of this kid. I'm going to, I'm going to rape this girl. I'm just doing, you know, what I feel like doing. And I have no, I have no, uh, I have, you know, that you can't blame me, the individual, the person. I mean, this I'm playing devil's advocate, you know, saying this is what people would say. You can't blame me, the individual, uh, because I'm just acting in accordance with my own nature. So I have no responsibility um, in this. I have, I have no, I'm just, uh, I'm, uh, you know, but that's that's not the case. Obviously, we're not autonomic beings that are just functioning, you know, robotically, without the discretion, without discretion, without reasoning without thinking without weighing things out we're, we're, we're trying to make the best decision we have you know an intellectual capacity to try and make good choices based on all available evidence based on our influence our needs our desires so it's more complex than that so it goes back to i say we can make choices we can make good choices we can make bad choices we have the ability to make choices um so you know there's, it's got to be it's got to be in balance but i could see how someone else would say spread that philosophy that ideology and you're just going to have people um completely condoning their their irresponsible and um you know uh maladjusted behavior yeah our, our response to that challenge i'm sure you is, heard that argument yeah i'm not sure and, and so the way one way we respond is like we point to our medical model in other words like there are people who we define as sociopaths or psychopaths and right. very often something's wrong with their brain, right? right. So, right. Yeah, so brain we recognize trauma. that they're dangerous. We recognize that they have to be addressed and sometimes like held or whatever. But we don't do it from the perspective of blame. So it's more compassion, or at least it should be. So basically it's applying the medical model of, right. of psychopathy and whatever to everyone. Right. Oh, okay, so hold on. So this is interesting. Um, well, I mean, first of all, you know that that's been taken advantage of. Obviously, that you know the impl- the insanity plea. We we plea. You know, uh, the devil made me do it. I was crazy. I wasn't thinking straight. So, you know, there's that. But then you're saying you're saying that <laughs> he's laughing. You're saying that on oh, a biological level, on a biological level, we really aren't responsible. So we should address the actual influence i mean this goes back to uh structural violence that it's it's not the individual necessarily it's the environment that they're in it's it's what the, it's what's been created it's the it's the paradigms and 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 what's been set up that's made the monster no one's born a monster you know your child suffers right. no, no, the way we explain it yeah in other words like our, our our world needs order needs rules and laws and so the idea is like we enforce this morality to as much as we have to with our rules of laws, not because people have a free will, but because we are bi- biologically hardwired to respond to reward and punishment. You know, it's, it's, a, it's fascinating. Uh, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna, I gotta do something real quick, but I'll, I'll respond as soon as I get back. Give somebody yeah. else a chance to talk, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And this is is so interesting, guys. This is like extremely interesting, the most interesting conversation I've had in months. Um, and here's here's what I wanted to say, since is that like George and I, like the other co-hosts, like who talk about free will, like we believe that g- giving up this illusion of free will. Um, 
helps uh, eliminate the division and the inequality and basically helps us have like that pantheist type of experience with the monism where we realize all is one, everything is one, and others and ourselves are kind of the same thing when we just see ourselves as the result of prior causes and even what we're doing is by prior causes, then we are without the blame we don't we don't blame anyone so there's no hostility no revenge and so there's so many benefits and so i agree like with john searles in his quote that it is the biggest revolution ever and i think what follows from that revolution is that it leads into like this um, monism pantheistic type thought where we're all one and we're all in the same boat or we're all in this shit together sort of you know we're all on the same side rather than opposing each other um, I, I caught the, la the tail end of that. You don't have to repeat anything, but uh, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm gathering the gist of it. Um, see, I would, I, I just feel like I would take a different approach in that I feel like teaching, teaching biology, teaching people what what actually exists, whether it's in nature, in the cosmos, cosmology, um, what exists biologically, what exists in terms of the laws of physics, what exists in terms of psych psychology what's that oh shit my bad i thought i muted it oh <laughs> I, what, what what exists teach people reality raise awareness and educate people in terms of what actually exists psychologically what's going on inside people's minds what you know what causes the real causes for events instead of attributing uh natural phenomenon to uh you know superstition and and um religious uh, ideologies and religious mythology, like actually teach science, teach reality. I don't think people have enough of a, of a handle of a grip or, or of a, even one inkling of an understanding of how extraordinary reality actually is in terms of, uh, you know, biological life, in terms of the laws of nature, things like that, teach that and it will raise awareness and it will, it will, it will instigate and, and influence and inspire um, evolution in terms of, of morality, ethics and morality will develop because we are social creatures. We are we are social species. We're primates, and we had to get along and work together in order to exist. Um, and it's in our nature. It didn't come from a fucking book. It didn't come from you know uh, from some uh, transcendent being that that told us what was right and wrong. We it's it's innate. It's in us. It came from cause and effect. It came from consequences of experiences. You 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 rape and murder and steal. Well, you're not going to get along with the rest of your tribe. I mean, you're going to get banished. And right, and you, you basically know, explaining that morality isn't even a human invention. It's basically just no, a name no. we give it's to what name. works. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and we we agree we agree with, with what you're saying. In other words, like in in a certain sense, for example, we have climate change, right? And this is science, right? But you know, since most of us aren't climate scientists or, or hard scientists, we have to take the word for it. And and so much of right. science is like this. Now, this right. free will issue—it's like the basic. You know, we human beings, because of this free will myth, have the most the the, the fundamental nature of of human behavior completely wrong, right? So now. As opposed to climate change and other sciences that are very complex and beyond the, the scope of, of most people, this is an area whereby by showing people exactly why we don't have a free will, we can teach them to think more clearly, more strongly. Because this isn't this is about logic. It's not about you know ideology or about like things that people can't understand. 
through their own rational processes. And you're right, it's, it's about explaining the fundamental, in other words, what is the fundamental basis of scientific method? Same cause, same effect. So it's basically right. teaching science at I the most fundamental level. Experiment. Right, right related right. to this experiments. Your free will. Yeah, empirical evidence, repeatable you know, experiments like observation, uh, hypothesis, and then you, you test it, and then it's observed, and then um, you record it, and then it can, if it can be repeated, then we know that it's an established um, you know, immutable fact. Um, if there's evidence, if there's sufficient evidence. But, but do you see, uh, do you see the, the idea is like, for example, with a lot of science, we learn it and we, it's, a it's an article of faith. You know, we have faith in our, our physicists. They, they know what oh, they're sure. telling yeah, us. Oh, sure. Yeah, certain things. But, I, can't but, see but, the, I can't see the beginning of the universe that, that it was actually 13.8 billion years. I'm taking his word exactly. for it. Exactly. But with this free will, with this free will illusion, overcoming it is something that, you know, generally speaking, anyone without any scientific literacy or anything can understand through pure logic. But I'm still I'm still confused in that like how how many people honestly um, you know in a general sense of the population even question this or or how how often does this come into play the idea that they have free will how often does that actually how influential is that so that if you take it away you feel like it's going to be uh, it's going to create right. a significant so change. There, there, there's about two billion, two to three billion people mm. on the planet who, you know, um, who don't have access to safe water. Don't, you know, don't have these basic resources. They're extremely poor, right? Now, sure. many people, the conservatives mainly, will refuse to help them because they'll say, well, of their free will, they're lazy. They're just like. They're not working, so we're not going to reward just, that. Hold on, hold on. They're, they're not doing what they should, so because so in other words, they deserve to suffer. We don't, we don't have to help them because of their free will, they made their own, you know, better, whatever. They're just, they're doing it to themselves. So in other words, like, that's one area where politicians refuse to help people that really need help, you know. And the other area that's is it. like, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, going to say that's, that's just a disgusting – that's a disgusting apathetic attitude that they have and I don't think – I think that's just what they're saying and they're saying it so that they don't have to help unless there's oil and resources there that they that they want and then then, then we're all like humanitarian and we'll go in there and, and you know give them new government and, and play like we're you know good Samaritans. Right. The, the other part is like for example like you, you get a, a young kid in, in an inner city <clears throat> that gets into trouble, right? And they'll say, well, you know, like, you know, his friend down the block didn't get into trouble. So, like, so we're going to throw the book at this guy because, like, with this free will, he did this and that and that. Right. So, like, to the extent we evolve beyond this myth of free will, we recognize that that kid who, who got into trouble got into trouble because our society failed that kid. You know, in other words, it, it, yeah, it, I've it, heard it, the, I've heard the exact I've heard the exact same even the same wording. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, homeless people, why they're homeless, you know, um, you could say, well, he, he chose that lifestyle or, or, you know, he made bad decisions. And then someone else will say, no, we failed him. Society failed him. And, um, and it's, it's our fault. I, I, I see a lot of problems with it, not in, in theory, I'm saying in, in a reactional reactionary sense, um, where people would say, you're, you know, you're just, uh, let's see the, the kid, the kid in school is not responsible. Oh, he's just going to blame Everything he does, he's going to blame on his environment and his, his upbringing. You know that. Well, I, I was abused, you know, growing up. I, I suffered this, I suffered that. So that's why I'm doing this. Well, yeah, that is why you're doing it. But there comes a time where you have to take responsibility. Where you, if you have the capacity to, if you have the capacity to uh, demonstrate moral and ethical behavior, then 
it is your responsibility to, to do so if you live in a society, you know, where you're dependent upon other people and other people are, you know, being affected by you. So that there is a personal responsibility there, but I, I understand that we need to look at the the root causes. See, I would just use different language myself. I would just say what we need to do is look at the root causes. We need to look at why this person is this way and get to the to the core of what events transpired that that led up to this incident and not just keep trying to treat the symptoms and just punishing and jailing people who, you know, end up serving their time are completely not rehabilitated. They go right back out and do the yeah. same commit the same crimes again because there is no you know uh they're 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 not they're not attacking the uh, the actual cause. They're just uh, right. Uh, I mean, exactly. Yeah, I Logan, agree with you both say you Yeah, yeah, I agree with both of you guys fully. And here's why your two views are completely compatible. Because here's the deal: is that free will belief is what prevents people from looking at those root causes because they cannot believe there are root causes because they believe each person is cause a suite, the cause of themselves. Meaning they think uh, yeah, I see that, it. I see it. that's yeah. exactly it. So they're not going to look at the root causes and the nature and nurture, the environment, the system that made a person do something that they consider wrong or immoral. They're not going to look at that because they believe in free will. And that is why I agree with John Searle and George that it is the biggest revolution ever. And Poffo, it directly leads people to do what you're talking about. So there's no conflict at all. They're totally yeah, you're looking at looking at things from a systems a systems perspective, from a holistic, um, you know, you know, from a from a, a larger perspective. That's the idea that that you know, uh, different different events, different causes, different things. That uh, yeah, Jacques Fresco is big on this. He talks about this a lot, actually. Um, what I was gonna say was, uh, I just don't I just don't think that people themselves are thinking in that way. You're saying it's a it's a fundamental um, sort of indoctrination or it's a, a sort of um it's a sort of a fundamental mentality that exists kind of unconsciously that people just that's the way we've been kind of conditioned to think or, so that so that so you dispel that and then it will change that's what you're Papa, yeah like take take a, a married couple okay here in the united states the divorce rate is like 50 percent for first marriages a lot of times these couples the you know they get into an argument about money but whatever it is right and because they're busy blaming each other and defending themselves against blame, they're distracted from, you know, together as a team uh, addressing what, what's what's actually affecting them both. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just thought, is, is this process theology? Is this process theology? Because I've seen videos that talk about this and, and get into, you know, that the, the, the real root cause, there's always... Maybe maybe I'm confusing it with Scientology or something. There, there was like talking about that there's always more than one uh, person that's actually doing the cheating in a psychological sort of... Well, no, uh, no, this is this goes way beyond this. Another domino, domino, let's domino say, all right, the, 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 wife, the wife is accusing the husband of cheating, right? The husband is accusing the wife of being cold or something, right? That's the free will perspective. Under As we evolve beyond it, they're both trying to figure out how... The universe, God, whatever you want to call it, is causing the, the 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 husband to cheat and causing the wife to appear cold and stuff. And together, they're on the same side of this. No, they're no longer at each other. They're recognizing that neither of them are in any fundamental way to blame for any of it. Well, okay, so that would that would go back to my point of saying, 
recognize that fundamentally, if, if I'm speaking allegorically in, in, in metaphor, in terms of a metaphor, recognize that fundamentally we are all one body. So everything that everyone does affects everything else and we're all interconnected and, and you know, quantum mechanics tells us this on a subatomic level and, and biologically and, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson says that we're all connected um, to each other uh, chemically, to the earth, biologically, to the, you know, um, to the rest of the universe atomically. So once again, that's just teaching science, teach people science and then you'll, you'll recognize it. I guess it's, it might seem a stretch to you that like to make those connections, but to me, it all goes back to biology. Yeah. Well, I, I basically say that these are all different sides of the same object basically, because it essentially uh, any understanding of science and reality, mm -hmm. nature, whatever you call it, is understanding determinism, is understanding that we're not some freely willing, choosing, separate self. So it's all like the same thing, and which direction you start from doesn't make really a difference. Which, like, it's a drawing, it's a painting or a drawing. Which thing you draw first in the picture doesn't actually make much of a difference because it's, it's all part of one whole picture. Right, but, right. And, it's, and, an, and it's an amalgamation. Yeah. yeah, in it's terms of, teaching, of uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, in terms of teaching science, I mean, ordinarily the the debate is uh, framed free will versus determinism. But determinism, to a great extent, is about prediction, right? But really, what refutes free will isn't determinism so much as cause and effect, right? So, like, so from this from this debate about free will versus cause and effect causality, we can understand that. What causes everything that, to hap that happens at the present moment is the state of the universe at the previous moment. What caused right. that is the state of the moment. Right. Of the, uh, so like basically it's the evolution of the universe moment by moment. So basically we're teaching how causality is the fundamental process of change in the universe. Right. Like it's yeah. Newton's law. I mean, you know, to every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. And it, and it keeps taking it back and back and back and back further and further. Um, but in, in, in pantheistic terms, it's the underlying um, divine principle or, or the life principle that is pushing and pulling and moving everything towards, towards this greater um, you know, sy symbiosis. Toward, everything is operating based on these um, prime directives, um, which, which is what pushes and pulls life from behind and, and from ahead, I, I believe, like what initiated everything and what we're moving towards. And the underlying principle is, um, you know, towards greater levels of self-awareness and self-organization. And during that process, throughout that process, you have all these challenges and, um, you know, all these uh, sort of differentials through, through because we're all subjective forms. We're, we are the universe perceiving itself in subjective form from all these different positions, ju juxtaposed, thinking that we're all separate and individual. And this gets really into non-duality, the idea of non-duality. A lot of friends of mine are big on that and they um they're all all about pushing that non-duality non-duality that we're all one thing we need to think in, in in monistic terms and i say that's true that's absolutely true fundamentally but we also live in in a, in a dialectical there's a di there's a dichotomy there's there is distinction in our experience you know so you're over there i'm over here you know uh, left hand right hand up down you know hot cold these these distinctions exist so we have to deal with them um, but we can look at everything in a holistic sense and see everything as one divine whole. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, hey, yeah, guys. I, I, I agree with you. And uh, just 
Yeah, I yeah, just right. wanted to say that, yeah, I was actually <laughs> supposed to already be in bed, but I didn't want to cut it short because this is just so interesting. But I'm sure you can probably join us for f more future episodes because it seems like we all have a lot more to talk about. Yeah, yeah, if you'll have me and uh, if you think it was productive and positive. I was The last thing I was going to say, uh, we're actually enacting, you know, exactly what we're talking about right now, that we all – we're all doing this, you know, for similar purposes, whether it's defined fellowship or to express our ideas, or I, I think uh, genuinely on a, on a, you know, on a, on a fundamental level, George and Chandler and everybody, we, we want to see, uh, we want the world to be a better place. We want things to get better. We care about the welfare of humanity and, and of life. And, and so we're, we're generally moving towards the same goal and we have, um, you know, the same agenda, so to speak. So we're, yeah. just, we're just different parts of the same body wanting, we're just wanting homostasis. We're just wanting, um, you know, to, uh, to literally love and accept ourselves and exactly. just different aspects of ourselves, you know, and yeah. that, that's what we're working towards. And yeah, we all you know, have the we, same we're just goals coming at it from different perspectives. And like what you're saying with your model, we're coming at it from different perspectives because we all have different experiences. If my, if in my experience, free will ne isn't necessarily, hasn't hasn't come up as much and it's more like you know some other issue like uh the disparity between the rich and the poor or or the major problems of religions or or whatever if i think those are the major contributing factors so i would come up with solutions that are that are relevant and specific to those to those subjects and themes you know so we're all coming at it from our own personal experiences and it's all valuable right um, and the reason the system yeah. and the benefit the benefit of us all coming together and talking about it is because how we see how these different issues that we face are all connected and all part of the same big picture. And so that's the thing about it. And so, yeah, I definitely will want to talk more about the, these things in the future. And I regret that that Logan didn't really get to say anything and Jamie and WSD haven't had much of a chance to say anything either. Um <laughs> I apologize. I'm not even. I'm not even aware of who's who yet, so I'm not really used to the. Oh interface. yeah, you, if but, you keep yeah. if you keep joining us, you'll become familiar with all of us. We yeah. we've been doing this quite a while. We're great friends and all, and yeah. so yeah. Um, so I really need to get end this episode. Um, but yeah, this will this will basically be a very long and personal opinion, I guess. But it's just important for our audience to know that the whole free will issue is we've covered on the free will science religion podcast in like 175 episodes so far so people can listen yeah. to all of our stuff free and so i'm sure that uh, pafa will want to join us for many more sessions we rec we're recording on sundays typically so sure. so okay yeah so was there any th one more thing anyone else need to say before i before we end this call and and the recording and all that yeah, no, Papa, I'm just really impressed with your, your insight, your logic, and your breadth of knowledge. So I hope you join us, you know, whether whether to better explain this free will thing or just the, the idea of just creating a better society that, that works much better for everyone. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that, sir. Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity to, uh, to talk about my philosophy and, you know, uh, engage with you guys. It's, yes, uh, it's nice. It's nice. I, I mean, I do this all the time through you know, my Facebook groups, but uh, I don't do it as often, you know, on video chats and um, and yeah. like this, you know. Yeah, Skype. yeah. So I, yeah, I, I agree. This has been very enlightening. You're a smart dude. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So 
So I'll do the yeah, outro. I, I, spent, I spent a lot of time on it. I mean, it's you know, if you if you lived my life, if you had the same experiences as me, if you were exposed to the same information that I've been exposed to, then you know you would think very similarly, and you'd have the same. Uh, whatever the same skill set or, or whatever. So hey, look, I, I'm not saying I'm smart because I have no free will. I'm a product of my uh, of my experiences of my environment. Exactly. A lot of intelligence is being channeled through you. Yeah, <laughs> basically, we understand that nobody owns the intelligence, and that we are a product of our experiences. It, that's exactly right, you know. And and you'd be so, me if you'd had my experiences in genetics and all that. Right. Right. So Georgia right. Tega, so ones and zeros are actually going for us from the universe, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, binary code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, I didn't even know that you. I didn't even know he was still here. What's What's your name? Do like a roll call so I know everybody's name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm Chandler Klebs, and yeah, and and Jamie what is our friend from the UK that just talked, and then WSD is okay. the guy who doesn't like insects. Donald <laughs> Trump. <laughs> And Donald Trump. Well, we can all agree on that. Yeah, we can all agree on that. I just, I just went to, I just went to. Me too. He is, he is a bug. He's a, he's a, he's a parasite. Um, I, I just went to Wacko and they have the big statue of him there. You know, like the naked statue. Uh, there's a, there's a bookstore. It's, it's, it's pretty awful, but it's, it's funny. People just come up, take pictures of it. He's got this itty bitty little penis, and uh, he just looks awful. He looks like a giant grub like a big slug or something uh, with your <laughs> veins all over it but, no, but, well seriously yeah, yeah. guys i need to end this because i was supposed hey, to sure. be in bed already so i'm i'm just gonna do the outro and then end the call and then i ba back up the recording before i go to bed okay yeah, it's been a pleasure thanks, thanks all right all. i appreciate it okay thanks, you've been listening to the impersonal opinion podcast and we've also been talking heavily about the free will topic which we usually cover in our other podcast but it was all one conversation, so anyone who has the patience to listen to this whole thing can. And so thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed, and goodbye.